And we are on air for Fan for Racing's NASCAR Weekend Preview. And uh, this week we are previewing races at Homestead, Miami, as well as Pensacola, uh, Florida. So <clears throat> joining me for tonight's show is our co-host, Jay Huseman. Welcome to the show, Jay. Thank you, Sharon. It's uh, it's no longer Daytona weekend as it was for two weekends in a row, but it is still Florida weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. We've got uh, all three series racing at Homestead, Miami this weekend, and then the ARCA East is racing at Pensacola, Florida at Five Five Tags Speedway. So uh, that's a big track on the ARCA schedule, and joining us at 8.40 tonight is a driver who's very familiar with that track, Daniel Dye with Ben Kennedy Racing, uh, will be joining us at that time, <clears throat> and we'll talk to him about Five Speedway and his 2021 season. You know, he's driving that number 43 car in the ARCA East today. Yeah, excited to get to talk to him uh see what he has to say there about five flags speedway from a driver's perspective. I, I, you know, I got to see it and I looked at it from a fan's viewpoint last year. So uh, see what the driver has to say and some good things to look forward from, uh, from hearing from him. Yes, indeed. Now in the first half hour, we are going to preview that Arca East race at five flags speedway. Uh, Daniel joins us at 840 and at nine o'clock, We'll start the preview for the uh, NASCAR Truck Series at Homestead. Uh, 9.20, we should get into the Xfinity Series. And at 9.40, the Cup Series, uh, all those races at Homestead Miami Speedway. 10 o'clock, of course, is our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off with our Fan for Racing crew. Andy won't be able to join us tonight, but uh, I believe Tommy will be joining us tonight. So, uh, Definitely look forward to that conversation. So with that, Jay, let's go ahead and get into. I'm so sorry. I had to sneeze. <laughs> uh, let's go ahead and get into uh, the Arkham and Art Series at uh, Five Flags Speedway in Pensacola, Florida. All right, when we look okay. at it, the, the, uh, we're going to go under the uh, pit box. Uh, it is going to start at, uh, it will be this Saturday, February the 27th at 5 p.m. Central, 6 p.m. Eastern. It will be live streamed on Track Pass NBC Sports Gold, and uh, you'll be able to watch the replay, or I should say the delayed broadcast on NBC Sports Network on Thursday, March the 4th at 4 p.m. Uh, it is a half-mile paved oval. They will be racing a total distance of 100 miles over the course of 200 laps. So uh, it's going to be a big race. It most certainly is. And the Five Flags Speedway here is going to provide another dose of short track action. The Arkham Menard Series East Racing uh, kicked off on a Floridian half-mile paved oval with an epic finish in the 2021 season opener at New Smyrna back on Feb- February 8th. And so it's now on a 
Pensacola's Five Flag Speedway for the Pensacola 200 presented by Inspectra Thermal Solutions. Yes, indeed. Uh, at New Smyrna, they had the uh, famed World Series of Asphalt uh, taking place there. Uh, a whole week of racing that week, and Daniel Dye was, was a part of that. And then also, Five Flag Speedway uh, is uh, the home of the annual Snowball Derby. So uh, that's going to be uh, a really fun track, I think, for these Arca East guys uh, to compete on because people from all over the country come to compete in that Snowball Derby. And uh, it's going to be fun to see what Max Gutierrez is going to be able to do after winning that season opener at uh, New Smyrna in February. Yeah, and it's all good news there for the drivers who established themselves as the top contenders in that opener at New Smyrna, as all of them are entered in Saturday's race at Five Flags. Now, it's even better for those who enjoy watching stock car drivers compete on this kind of track layout. Uh, again, it's going to be what? Uh, let me see. It didn't tell me what Five Flags is. Well, we'll get, it, what, we'll get into. Double. There we go. Uh, get into what to look for, what to watch for here in the Pensacola 200, presented by Inspector Thermal Solutions. Okay. Uh, well, we mentioned Max Gutierrez, but uh, some of the drivers that he was competing against. Uh, before with Sammy Smith and Taylor Gray. They've waited 19 days to redeem themselves uh, for what feels like, I'm sure, to them a missed opportunity. So uh, they'll be able to come back here at Five Flags Speedway and see if they can battle for that big victory uh, between the field's strongest pair of cars. Uh, they turned that three-wide finish into a little bit of an upset when Max Gutierrez crossed that finish line in a photo finish. Well, in a, in a case like that, you got one that's happy and two that aren't. So both Gray and Smith are understandably left New Smyrna there in a bit of a frustration state, if you will. Uh, so they should arrive there at Five Flags with some optimism. Both are slated to run the full Arkham Menard Series East schedule in 2021 and keep, compete for that championship. They led a combined total of 111 of the 175 laps at New Smyrna and established themselves as title contenders despite their disappointing finish. And uh, second and third, I guess, uh, you know, that's what, tough to call that a disappointing finish, but <laughs> I guess that depends on the perspective. Exactly. That's so true. Now, Max Gutierrez is going to bring his number 30 tough-built board to Five Flags Speedway to defend the season opening victory. And though his win at New Smyrna was viewed as a surprise, he really showed enough speed to suggest that he, too, will have a say in the 2021 Series championship run. So uh, uh, I think he's going to be a strong contender uh, this season. But there's some other drivers for us to keep our eyes on when you think about Parker Rutzblatt that's going to be racing, Joey Ice, uh, I'm sorry, Joey East, Mason Diaz, and, of course, our guest for tonight, Daniel Guy. Well, we're going to keep our ears on him here coming up in a little bit. Uh, you want to start looking at some of the other drivers until we get him on online? 
Well, actually, he is here, so I'm going to go ahead and bring him into the queue so we can uh, talk to him a little bit about Five Flags Speedway. Uh, Daniel, first of all, thank you for being here tonight, and uh, welcome to the show. We are uh, very excited to have you here. Thanks for having me. Glad to be on for sure. Okay. Well, Daniel, uh, one of the reasons... uh, we requested you is because we know that you're pretty familiar with Five Flags Speedway. Uh, you've raced there before. You raced in the Snowball Derby. And uh, tell us a little bit about that track and and uh, what you like about it. Yeah, so we've made a lot of trips to Five Flags Speedway um, throughout my career. When when we started out, I was running prolate models, and, and we ran the four Alan Turner Pro Late Model Series races, um, and then we also finished that season off with running the Snowflake 100. Um, this most recent year, we ran the Blizzard Series, which is uh, consists of four Super Late Model races at Five Flags Speedway, and it all leads up to the Snowball Derby in December, where we qualified sixth and uh, ended up finishing 14th. So a pretty good run for my first attempt at the Snowball Derby. A lot of good cars went home. So to make the field, it was it was really cool. But to even have a good run and, and something that big was. Um, and so we've we've tested there a good bit too. Um, you know, it's I've, I've made a lot of laps there, and I think that's what's going to work out for us here this weekend. Well, I would agree with you, Daniel. I think that you're going to be a strong contender this weekend. Uh, tell us a little bit about Five Flags Speedway. I know that with the Snowball Derby, we've got people from all over the country coming to that track. When you think about Derek Thorne from California, you've got Bubba Pollard uh, coming to that track. Uh, Kyle Bush has been known to come and race the Snowball Derby. Uh, so the competition is pretty darn stiff. Chase Elliott uh, has raced there. Uh, tell us about the track itself, Daniel, and what fans should watch for this weekend. Yeah, it's um, it's a pretty wide racetrack. It's not very tight like a place like New Smyrna. Um, you know, I, I have a lot of fun there just because it is a really fast racetrack. Um, the track is real abrasive and, and real rough on tires. So um, it's it's a place that I think is, is good for any type of racing, um, you know, the Archer cars put on a good show there last year. And then, you know, the pro late models and super late models are always a good show. Um, you know, it's, there's a lot of close racing and a lot of hard racing. And it's just, a, I think it's, I think it's pretty cool to see the different um, strategies that play out. If you want to try and go quick and, and get out ahead of everybody or save your stuff. So you get to, uh, you get to see a few different strategies and, They'll, you'll usually have a few people that'll try each of them and see what plays out depending on, you know, when the cautions fall and, and how the night goes. And that's what makes it fun for all the fans. Uh, now, joining me tonight is our co-host, Jay Huseman, and I know he has a few questions for you too, Daniel, so I'm going to pass the mic over to him. Well, okay. the, fir- the first question I got, the first question I got is, is if you're a Boris Sed fan. I don't know how uh, up to date the pictures they've been using are, but you you appear to have the Sed headed uh, following of Boris Sed. <laughs> is that by design? It's it's not by design. I think it's I've kind of always had the the long hair deal going on. So 
I, I do see what you're talking about, though. I, I haven't heard that before, but I'm now that I think about it, I'm surprised I haven't heard it before. I, when I went to pull up your social media, yeah, I saw the picture, and I was like, I double-checked the name to make sure I had the right page. <laughs> uh, one of the things, to talk about, first off, in the Snowball Derby, as a first-timer, a rookie, one of three rookies to to make that race. As you said, there were, there were a lot of good cars that went home, and you were the top finisher, finishing 14th after qualifying sixth. Just talk about that experience real quick, if you can, in and of itself. Yeah, it was a it was a real nerve wracking um, weekend. You know, I've I've watched the Snowball Derby a few times, and I've watched a lot of good cars go home. And you know, I think this year there was a really stout field. Um, you know, champions from all over the place didn't make the show. I mean, you had Carson Osavar who kicked butt everywhere all year, you know, didn't make the show, and Bubba Pollard had to use the provisional. Um, so to do as good as we did um, and qualify and then the race was, was really cool. Um, actually, Friday of that week was my birthday, and I was so nervous all day. I, I honestly kept forgetting it was my birthday until, you know, we qualified sixth and we were in the show. We got to kind of loosen up a little bit, but um, – you know, Friday night and, and Friday throughout the day, I think, was, you know, uh, let's hold on and, and see what we can do. And I had a really good car throughout the whole weekend. And uh, I I really don't know where the laps came from that put us sixth. I, I didn't think I did a very good job, but I had a really good car that, that, uh, that helped us get the laps that we did and put us up front where we ended up qualifying. And then that helped us in the race, too, you know, starting up front. I think we ran fourth for, for a good bit of the beginning of the race and then just kind of with some different sets of tires and chasing the car a little bit in the weather, we uh, we fell outside of the top ten and then got put down a lap. Uh, we got put down a lap by Derek Thorne when he kind of ran away at the race there and we were kind of fighting that, trying to get the lucky dog a few times. But I think, uh, I think we definitely had a, a top ten car, just had a few things go wrong that, held us back, but I mean, that's the longest race I've competed in so far. So I think it was a good learning experience and something that is going to help me out the rest of my career and the rest of the times to go and try and race that race again. Well, I can't wait to see you see you in it again. As you come into this weekend then now, with that experience and the experience you've talked about having at uh, Five Flag Speedway, obviously I, I saw on Twitter several people saying they were picking you to win. How do you balance that or curtail that of kind of being the favorite uh, coming into a race, knowing where your car is, where you're at, and then just focusing on what the car is when you get out on the track? You know, um, obviously our goal is to win every time we go to a racetrack. Um, so, you know, it, obviously it, it's cool to see the social media response from, you know, people picking us for this weekend, but, you know, you got to kind of tune all that out when you get to the racetrack and, and focus on what you need to do to have a car that can do that. Um, and then obviously in the race, you got to make good changes and hopefully, hopefully you don't have to make any changes. Hopefully you have a good car that that'll run up front all, all night. Um, but just gotta, you gotta focus on getting our car as good as we can in the practice Saturday and, and lay down a good lap and try and stay out front as long as we can and hopefully try and win the race um like you said i think the experience is going to be good um racing against a lot of my competitors that 
might not have ran at Five Flags as much as I have. I know um, Mason Diaz has ran there a good bit. Um, so I think he's really the only person that has as much experience as I do um, at Five Flags. So I think it's going to be a, a good show and a good weekend for us. Well, I got I got to say, especially com- coming from such a young driver as yourself, uh, that kind of answer, being able to, like you said, block out social media, put your focus on the here and now once you get to the track, uh, that's what makes a driver successful, and, and we've seen the success you've had already, so hopefully you can continue that. And I got one last question. If I can go back to New Smyrna, uh, running in the sixth position, you see the guys get three wide in front of you. Uh, we saw this in a couple other races. Did you ever have that hope of maybe they got got to beating and banging and you can slide by? When I saw it out in front of me, I uh, I was I was like I don't I didn't really know how I was going to finish. I've I haven't seen three wide work out all too well at New Smyrna a whole lot. So when I saw it in front of me, I thought there was going to be some cars going in every direction when I was coming to the line. Um, you know, <laughs> I think. I think we probably could have been in the mix if uh, circumstances would have been different at the end uh, with with how the rain fell and, and the way that whole deal was kind of handled. But, um, you know, running top five all night was a good thing for us. Um, and then, you know, we kind of just got unlucky there at the end. So um, I think I think it was a good confidence booster for, for me and my team and uh, something that we can build on for the rest of the season. Well, you you hold on to that hold on to that thought and feeling because uh, you know when you get to get up to the next levels and get to run Daytona, that's what it's going to be in front of you. You're going to be like, it's going to happen. You got to pick which way to go. So now you kind of have that feel already, right? <laughs> yeah, yes, sir. All right, I'm going to turn it back over to Sharon. Okay, Daniel, I want to kind of get into uh, uh, the well. First of all, I was going to say. I think what New Smyrna Speedway really tells us is that this is there's a lot of competition uh, in the East Series this year, and uh, you're you're certainly a big part of that. Uh, if you look at the rest schedule, I, I know you had Five Flag Speedway circled on your calendar. What about the rest of the schedule? What are your thoughts about the rest of the schedule, and do you have any other tracks? that are circled? Um, uh, the schedule is, is really cool. I mean, I'm excited to go to a few of the bigger places that uh, I haven't been to before, like Milwaukee or Dover or Iowa. Um, you know, I'm, I'm excited to go back to Bristol. We ran the super late model there last year with the Southern Super Series and finished fourth. Uh, Nashville, I think, is our next race. Um, and we ran the All-American 400 there this year or the last year. Uh, we didn't get to finish that race. We got caught up in a in an early wreck, and kind of kind of had a rough weekend. Had to run the LCQs, but we ended up winning that one. Um, but you know, I think I think Nashville is going to be a cool track. Uh, having run a few laps there, and it being uh, you know now that the bigger series are kind of starting to look back in Nashville, I think it's going to be cool um, to to go back there. Then uh, I think Bristol is going to be a good place to finish off the season if we're if we're in a uh, in a good spot for the points championship, which I think we will be. It's going to be good to finish off at a track that I've had success at in the past. So um, as of right now, the one that I got circled is Five Flags, because that's the one we got next. And then uh, 
and for the rest of the year, just whatever's next is what we're going to have circled and try and do as, as best as we can whenever we go there. Okay. Uh, let's talk a little bit about your team, uh, your crew chief, uh, if you have a spotter. And, and before we get to that, I do want to ask you about your, your driving for Ben Kennedy Racing. Uh, ben Kennedy, of course, is a member of the France family and uh, an executive in NASCAR. Uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, does that add any pressure to you working with Ben Kennedy? Um, I'd say maybe a little bit, but uh, you gotta gotta focus on on your job at the racetrack. I think Ben's been a big help throughout my whole career, and uh, he's had success at Five Flags in the past. So he's he's been big and kind of teaching me about Five Flags and and the rest of the team. Who has been with Ben Kenny Racing for a while? My crew chief Glenn Garrison has uh, been at a lot of races at Five Flags and taught me a lot about the racetrack too, as well as my spotter Jimmy Kitchen. So um, I think I've got a lot of experience around me um, that helps me out, especially at a place as tricky as, as Pensacola. Um, having experience around you is good, but uh, Ben Ben's been a big help uh, on and off the racetrack. So um, that's a, that's a pretty cool deal. It really is a pretty cool deal. Um, I wanted to also ask you about uh, uh, sharing something with us that maybe fans don't know about Daniel Dye. What are your interests when you're not racing on the track? Uh, Well, I still go to school every day that we're in town. Uh, I'm a junior in high school. Um, You know, I I like to play video games just like any other teenager. Uh, You know, um, that's really racing and, and school and video games is pretty much all I all I have time to do. I like to go uh, to Bruce and Speedway. I live about 15 minutes from there whenever they're racing and we're in town and kind of just study up when I can and even just go and, you know, enjoy some short track racing on a Saturday night. So I'm definitely a race fan whenever I'm not racing. I like to watch the cup races on Sunday and head to Bruce and Speedway on Saturdays. Okay. And speaking of video games, uh, have you done some eye racing? I think you yeah, have, haven't um, you? <laughs> yeah, we've uh, I've I've done a good bit of eye racing in the past, and you know, Five Flag Speedway is on there. So I uh, I made a few laps this week before going. Um, it's there's not really a whole lot you can take. I mean, I think the track is probably pretty close. The car's a little bit off, but um, you know, just kind of taking some laps around a place that I haven't been to in about two or three months is. Uh, is good before you go back, kind of re-familiarize myself with, with the racetrack we haven't been to in a minute. So uh, it, it's it's a pretty good help. But I usually like to go on there and mess around with the NASCAR stuff. Um, but it is it is a good tool when you're going to some place that you haven't been to in a while or haven't been to before. Okay. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, Daniel, this is the, the part of the show where we give you a chance uh, for any shout-outs that you want to give. Uh, before we say goodnight, uh, but uh, before that, I, I just want to say how much we do appreciate you being here tonight. Uh, it's been great getting to know you, and I hope this isn't our last visit. Uh, I hope we get a chance to visit with you again somewhere down the road here this season. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me on. Um, it's 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 cool doing stuff like this before before the races and throughout the week, so I uh, just want to thank my team for, for making stuff like this possible and all of our partners and my dad, um, you know, really looking forward to another good weekend at a, 
at a place I've I've been to before. So we uh, we like going to Pensacola. So I think all of our partners and my team and my dad are all looking forward to this trip. Well, I tell you what, we're looking forward to it as well, Daniel. I think this is going to be uh, obviously a good track for you, and uh, I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing this race. I'll be watching on uh, NASCAR, uh, the NBC Gold uh, Track Pass. At 6 p.m., we can see the live streaming of that race, and on Thursday, March the 4th, is the NBC Sports Network uh, delayed broadcast that will take place at 4 p.m. Eastern. So uh, good luck to you, and uh, uh, bring it home, okay? Thank you very much. Thanks again for having me on. Okay, thank you, Daniel. Take care now. All right, that is uh, Daniel Dye with Ben Kennedy Racing. He's driving the number 43 car this weekend and uh, throughout the ARCA East season. And, uh, Jay, he gave us some really good uh, information about his thoughts about this season and, and also about racing at Five Flight Speedway. He did. And, again, I know we've talked about this with some of the others we've we've had on in the past. For, for a young driver like that to be able to give such a great interview, uh, very good answers, and, and the maturity you can hear in when he talks about, you know, the blocking out social media and putting that aside in the focus, uh, just impressive. I see a lot of success in his future. Yes, I do too. You know, we've been doing this for a long while, and uh, it just seems like every year everybody gets better and better at uh, becoming NASCAR drivers at a younger and younger age. It's it's just amazing. Uh, but a lot of these drivers get a lot of good advice. He mentioned how helpful Ben Kennedy has been uh, to his racing career, and uh, you couldn't ask for any better support uh, than a guy like uh, Ben Kennedy. And his dad, uh, his dad, I'm sure, has been a huge support as well. Yeah, both both great influences, and you talked about that of still going to races and still being a race fan. Uh, you know, it's not just a job; it is your life, it is your passion. Um, that too uh, plays such a big factor in it. Yes, indeed. Let's real quick kind of mention some of the other guys that are going to be uh, in this race. We've mentioned Matt Gutierrez and uh, Taylor Gray and uh, Sammy Smith. Uh, who are some of the other guys we're going to see on the track? Well, we're going to see Carson Kavapel in the number 41 coming out of Mooresville, North Carolina, with the Bruce Cook machine. And I think in the opening part there, we we talked about him a little bit. Parker Retzlaff out of Rhinelander, Wisconsin, in the Toyota for mm-hmm. Bruce Cook as well. Um, I think uh, Mason Diaz, Joy East, seeing which other ones here, Zachary Tinkle. Stephanie Moyer, uh, Richard Garvey, Dick Dohaney, Ra- uh, Raja Carruth. Uh, that one in that number six for uh, Max Siegel in the Rev Racing uh, Toyota. Uh, I'm trying to see if I missed any here on Brad Smith uh, in his uh, cell phone number 48. And then Wayne Peterson in the 06. Yes, and of course, uh, uh our guest also I go off there again? Mason Diaz. Huh? Our guest also mentioned Mason Diaz uh, as well. And one thing to note, nope. Parker Retzclaff in that number 
Can you hear me, Jay? Can you hear me? Okay, I'm not sure what's happening here, uh, but I just want to mention that uh, Parker Retzlaff, his crew chief is actually a female, which is kind of cool, too. Uh, driving with Bruce Cook in the Toyota, that number 42 Toyota, Amber, Amber Slagle, is his crew chief. So I think that's something to keep an eye on this weekend as well. So uh, definitely looking forward to this race. It's going to be a fun one. If you don't already have track pass on NBC Gold, I recommend it highly uh, because uh, you'll want to catch all the live action at 6 p.m. on Saturday, February the 27th. So um, hopefully Jay will call back in here. Uh, I'm not sure what's happening with him. Uh, but uh, here he is. Okay, we're going to bring him back into the queue. Can you hear me, Jay? Yeah, I can now. I don't know if I got cut off there or not, but all of a sudden I couldn't hear you anymore. Yeah, I recognize that you couldn't hear me, but I could hear you. Uh, I'm not sure what was going on there. Uh, But we're ready to get into the truck series now, Jay, Uh, and we'll talk about them racing at uh, Homestead, Miami. But before we do that, do you have a favorite driver for this weekend? I know I do. <laughs> well, obviously, you got to put put uh, our guest there, Daniel Dyer, at the top of the list. Uh, the other one I think we got to keep an eye on would be Taylor Gray. Uh, I think he's going to be one that we're going to see with what David Gillen Racing is building there in the Ford Development Program. Yeah, I would say that's true, but also Mason Diaz. I, I, the fact that Daniel mentioned him as, as uh, somebody else who's uh, driven on that track quite a bit, and he recognizes that he could be a competitor this weekend, uh, we've got to throw Mason Diaz in that mix as well. And uh, Mason is going to be, uh, again, he is going to be driving that number 74 car uh, for as a Toyota for Marie Benevento, uh, and Tommy Baldwin's going to be his crew chief, so I'd look out for him as well. Well, there, there you go. There's the fan for racing pick for the three wide finish to this race. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's going to be fun no matter what. That's for sure. Okay, so let's go ahead and move on now to our truck series race at uh, Las Vegas. I'm sorry, at. Um, Actually, the truck race truck series is not racing this weekend. They are racing uh, next weekend at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Uh, the Silver State 200 will be Friday, March the 5th. And, uh, of course, we'll be review- previewing that race next week. Uh, but there are some things that we can update people on uh, this week as it relates to this truck series. So I, I know the rookies. Uh, there's quite a few rookies in this series, so let's take a look at the rookie standings. Well, I can't say it's much of a surprise that Chandler Smith maintains the early Sunoco Rookie of the Year lead. Driving for Kyle Busch Motorsports, he holds that early lead in the standings following a pair of races in the Camping World NASCAR Camping World Truck Series season. Smith was the highest finishing Sunoco Rookie contender in the Daytona Road Course and now sits 15 points ahead of Carson Horseville in second. Uh, third would be Haley Deegan. Let's see, Chandler Smith is at seven. It's got to be a 70.1. Or 
or 70 points, okay? Carson Horsevar at 55. Haley Deegan at 26. Chris Wright at 25. Chase Purdy at 25. And then Tim Veens is another one that's listed. Uh, doesn't have any points as of yet. Smith finished 12th on the road course while Horsevar was 14th. Chase Purdy, 22nd. And Haley Deegan, 28th. So they'll be looking to go back at it and come Las Vegas. Yes, indeed. Uh, these rookies are all talented, and uh, I think we're going to see uh, some fun things from them from all season long. Uh, but you're right. Chandler Smith is pretty strong. He started off the season strong, and uh, there's more there, I'm sure. But somebody uh, else is looking for a rebound at Las Vegas, and that would be Austin Hill. Uh, his uh, start to the season hasn't been exactly what he was looking for. He finished 22nd on the Oval at Daytona and 33rd on the road course uh, over the past two weeks. So he's definitely uh, looking to regroup uh, during this off weekend uh, before they head out to Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Uh, He should be happy, though, about going uh, to Las Vegas. He won the most recent race there last September, and he also won the same race there just a year before that. So, in fact, four of his six career wins in the series have come at 1.5-mile tracks. So he won at uh, Las Vegas in 2019, in 2020, at Miami, uh, I'm sorry, he won at Las Vegas in 19 and in 20. He won at Homestead, Miami in 19 and at Kansas in 2020. In the six races at Las Vegas, he's recorded a pair of wins as part of three top fives and four top ten finishes. So uh, I'd watch out for Austin Hill uh, when he gets to uh, Las Vegas next week. Yeah, and we know he's been a championship contender here the last couple of years figure that bounce back and he will be again but one that's already established himself as maybe the championship contender is Ben Rhodes as he opens this season with a sweep after thrice tallying one win in a season from seven in 17 18 and 2020 Ben Rhodes has come out to shoot on fire this season in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series sweeping in the opening two races of the year on the pair of Daytona International Speedway configurations. Uh, he narrowly edged out Corey Roper in the trival during overtime on the Super Speedway's oval configuration in the season opener, and then he took a triple overtime victory over the reigning series champion Sheldon Creed on the road course last Friday night. And his competitors should be taking this off weekend to think about how they can stop Rhodes from taking home three straight trophies when the series heads to Las Vegas here next week on March 5th. Rhodes' first NASCAR National Series win came on the 1.5 Desert Circuit back in 2017, and he followed that up in 2018 with a win on the 1.5-mile Kentucky Speedway. So overall at Las Vegas, Rhodes has a win, three top fives, and five top tens in his eight starts at Las Vegas, meaning he'll surely be a threat to continue his winning ways this season. And you can't say any more about him. I mean, he has just been absolutely on point so far this year. Definitely so. And I'll tell you what, we talked to Christian Eckes, his teammate, 
uh, driving the number 98 part-time this year with uh, Grant Infinger there at Thor Sport no, Racing. And he did some racing last year, and uh, he's doing some racing again this year. He said, you know, it's always been intense in the truck series, but he feels like it's ramped up this year. Uh, what are your thoughts about that, Jay? It was a little interesting to, to hear that perspective, especially so, so early on. But we've seen it over the past couple of years, especially in the truck series. There's only 10 playoff spots. These playoff points, how how much they matter, how much the wins matter. And, and for him, he felt that pressure of getting the win early. You know, his his win has always come a little bit later in the season, mid-season on. So for him, he felt like that took that pressure off. Um, but yeah, it was interesting to hear him talk about that the uh, the intensity already this early. Yes, indeed, and it's evident. Uh, a lot of these races that we saw at Daytona were uh, kind of uh, races of attrition. Uh, I kind of feel like maybe uh, when they get to Las Vegas and Homestead this weekend, uh, that maybe that intensity will tone down just a bit. Uh, I'm not sure, but we'll see. Well, and that was a unique start to the season. We've we've talked about that for several years of Daytona being a separate entity. The season kind of starts after that. Well, this year with the schedule change, that road course on the Daytona track kind of added a second week of an unknown and possible uh, outcome like we had, uh, like you mentioned, attrition. So now we are looking at getting into, the again, the regular season, but that's two races. You can't just uh, throw away one race, let alone two. So as we mentioned, Austin Hill needs a rebound. Uh, these guys, yeah, uh, I don't know if they're getting desperate already or, again, with the way the schedule is this year, they just see it as a, a way to capitalize on opportunities. Yes, indeed. Uh, you know, let's look at the point standings in the uh, Camping World Truck Series because they have the two races under their belt. Uh, they get a break this weekend, and they'll be going to Las Vegas next weekend. But we've mentioned Ben Rhodes has two wins already in two races, but there's some other drivers uh, that are right up there in the point standings. Well, amazingly enough, even with those two wins, John Hunter Nemechek is only nine points behind. The key comes in is the playoff points. Ben Rhodes has 10. Nemechek has two due to two stage wins. Uh, so when the playoffs start, that's how you get reseeded is by those playoff points. So that'll be the thing to keep your eye on. Third is your uh, defending champion, Sheldon Creed. We talked about the top rookie. Chandler Smith is in fourth. Now he is... 30 points back. Sheldon Creed was 13 back. Matt Crafton, 37 back. And there's your top five. The next five, this is where it gets interesting. Carson Horsevar, another rookie, minus 45. Raphael Lassard at minus 46. Eighth is Cody Robar at minus 50. Johnny Sauter at minus 53. And then you got a three-way tie technically for 10th. Ryan Truex, Todd Gillen, and Austin Wayne Self at 55 back, even with two races in, they already got a tiebreaker as far as the best uh, finish, best of top finish in those races. So right now it's Truex in that order, Truex, Gillen, and Self. Yeah, this is going to be an exciting year. What I love about Daytona 
is it's given us a chance to see some of these other drivers that are very, very talented uh, kind of rise to the top, if you will. They say the cream rises to the top. Well, we're getting a chance to see uh, some of these other drivers show uh, what some of their skills are. I know it was a race of attrition, but these guys had to carry their trucks. They had to be there at the end uh, to be able to finish uh, in the top 10 and and the top 12 in this case because, as you mentioned, there's a three-way tie for that 10th place spot. Uh, these guys did it, and uh, I'm I'm so proud of them and what we're seeing uh, from these drivers so far this season. But you've got a bunch of drivers that are looking for those rebounds uh, when we get to uh, Las Vegas Motor Speedway next week. Most certainly. And the thing I look at there is you're talking about some that we know are generally championship contenders. I won't lock them in yet. Um, but you got Derek Krause, Stuart Friesen, Brett Moffitt, and Zane Smith there in that next pack. Uh, I did skip over Grant Enfingers in the 14th spot, but him and Christian Eckes splitting that ride. So, again, they, they aren't going to be eligible as they're not running all the races. And then you got Kim Yeah, Christian's going to be in that Drew... truck at Las Vegas. Okay, is that his next race? Okay, yeah, I know he ran uh, yeah. the road course. Uh, Renfinger still in the 14th spot just based off his Daytona finish. And then Eckie's in the 21st position at minus 73 back. Um, but then you got a couple more, like you said, Tyler Ankrum, Austin Hill, 24th and 25th. Those are guys that we know are championship contending teams. Once they get um, in a groove, going to be tough to beat. And you're going to have to deal with them without a doubt. Yeah, especially these 1.5-mile tracks uh, that are coming up on the schedule here uh, for the truck series. Again, that race is going to take place next weekend. That's uh, March the 5th at Las Vegas. Excuse me, at Las Vegas and Motor Speedway. It will be televised on Fox Sports 1 at 9 p.m. Uh, and uh, you want to mark your calendar for this one because uh, these 1.5-mile tracks are just as exciting as Daytona, without any doubt in my mind. Uh, the Truck Series uh, here, the Camping World Truck Series, it provides that each and every week, no matter where they race. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, okay, do we have a we, do we have an entry list there? I'm just wondering if we see anybody new on that track uh, yet. Uh, let me see if the Vegas race had one. I don't think it had. I'm on J-Skin. I don't think they had an entry list up yet. Yeah, I don't Ooh. think it is up yet, Jay. But we will preview next Thursday night. Uh, and just as a, a heads up, uh, Greg Van Alts will be our guest next Thursday night. He drives the number 35 in the ARCA East Series. Uh, and Or in the ARCA Series, I'm sorry and uh, for his own team, and he is going to return. He was with us in in February here. He's going to come and talk with us uh, every month, so definitely looking forward to talking again with Greg Van Alt on Thursday, March the 17th. Hey, no, I'm sorry, March the the 4th. I'm way ahead of myself here. Uh, On March the 4th, he's going to be with us next Thursday night at 8.40 p.m. Eastern Time. 
Well, that's great to have him back. Uh, I'm happy to hear that. Uh, I didn't know he was one that was going to be a monthly visit. I know we got that package deal with several drivers that we're doing that with this year. Uh, it's so great to see and these, these guys get an opportunity to come on here and talk about their season and help us preview the track coming up like Daniel Guy did for Five Flag Speedway tonight. Yes, uh, that that is kind of cool uh, to have somebody who has actual experience on those tracks. And probably Daniel probably has uh, more experience than a lot of those drivers. Uh, I'm not going to say all of them because there may be a couple there. But uh, Daniel's got quite a bit of experience on that track. That's why I thought he'd be a good one uh, to talk with tonight. Well, so, I know we're coming. Uh, we've got a little bit of time here. If you want me to hit the uh, fantasy racing, again, we only have two races in. thought Sharon might like it if I hit this one here for our truck series. As she leads that with 11 points uh, <laughs> through the two races, having picked Ben Rhodes. Uh, we won't go into that. Uh, picking Ben Rhodes as, as a winner. Uh, gave her seven, four from the first race. I'm currently second with 10 points. And then we have a tie ourselves for third, Andy and Mike at seven, Sam at five, Jane, uh, I'm sorry, Owen at three. Yeah, Sam at five, Owen at three, James at zero. Again, had a tough start here in these first couple of weeks. And then we got our new uh, writer as well, Tommy, joined us. So, he got first pick, or will get first pick, I'm sorry, when we get to Las Vegas for the truck series. Okay. And uh, you want to go ahead and do the others for time, Jay? All right. Let me see if I can pull that back up, hopefully here real quick. All right. For uh, the Xfinity, what's that? No, go ahead. Okay, I'll do the points, and then I'll have to pull up the other one if we still have time for our picks, or I can do them in between each. Uh, On the Xfinity Series, the points, Andy and Mike tied at 10. Here, James is, well, technically third with eight points. Owen at seven. Uh, Sharon at five. I was at the bottom at three. But uh, Sam has zero, and then again, Tommy's starting with zero here as he joined us. He got first pick there. I'll run through the picks in just a minute. Going over to the cup side, this one's been interesting. Here we have a top way tie, myself uh, and Sam at 23, Mike at 22. Then you got a little bit of a gap down to Owen at 12, James at 10, Andy and Sharon tied at 8 with Tommy coming in with no points so far. And see if I can pull up the picks real quick. I think we got – I know Xfinity was full up. All right, Andy's got Tyler Reddick. James has Riley Herbst. Uh, I took Noah Gregson. Mike had Justin Haley. Owen has <laughs> Jen or Jeb Burton. <laughs> I don't know if he's going by a new name. <laughs> Sam had Daniel Hemrick. Sharon's got Austin Sindrick. And Tommy took Harrison Burton. And on the cup side, Sam is yet to pick. He's our last pick. But Andy's got Chase Briscoe. James is Kyle Bush. I got Tyler Reddick here on the cup side. Mike with Denny Hamlin. Owen, Kevin Harvick. Sharon's got Martin Truix. And Tommy come in with a wild pick there. Uh, it might pay off. He might come out the gate strong with Kyle Larson. Okay. So uh, definitely been a lot of fun already. Uh, and I can't wait to see how the rest of the season plays out, Jay. It's going to be interesting. Now, 
I did when I when I messaged with Tommy about that and he made his first pick. I was like, I wanted to message him back and be like, you know, take insurance favorite there in Harrison Burton right out the gate. I'm like, I don't know if that's <laughs> such a good idea. <laughs> no, that's fine. I like Harrison Burton. I like Jeb Burton, and uh, I wish those guys all the best. But uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of stick with Cindric here on this one. Uh, I got a feeling I, he just might make it three in a row. You know, I was going to say, and you were, I don't remember where you were in the line, but that far down to actually get Austin Cindric was a little surprising. I would agree. Uh, I was kind of glad that I had that chance. So, okay, let's go ahead and move on to the Xfinity Series. Uh, they are racing this weekend. They're racing the Contender Boats 250 at Homestead Miami Speedway on Saturday, February the 27th. That race will take place at 4.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Pre-race coverage will start at 4 p.m. on Fox Sports 1. Radio coverage on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. Uh, And uh, they're racing a distance of 250.5 miles over 167 laps. Uh, Stage 1 and Stage 2 are 40 laps each. And, of course, the last stage ends on the last lap, which is lap 167. So we've got a rookie update here on the Xfinity Series as well, Jay. All right. Well, for the Xfinity Series, the Sunoco Rookie of the Update, we'll run through this and then talk a little bit about it. Uh, With the win last weekend at the Daytona Road Course, Ty Gibbs is currently leading that standings with 50 points and one award. Ryan Vargas is sitting in second with 20 points and one award coming from the season opener. Uh, Josh Berry is third, Jordan Anderson fourth, and Sam Mayer fifth. Now, Anderson and Mayer have both not yet made a start in 2021, and that's where I think this one could be real interesting as we have several of these drivers that aren't full-time. They're splitting rides. Josh Berry and uh, Sam Mayer in the number eight for junior motorsports. Jordan Anderson actually intended to run the full season, but due to uh, circumstances and not getting into the season opener, uh, not able to qualify then the following week. Uh, We talked about that in Hot Topics. So Ryan Vargas is the one full-timer there, but Ty Gibbs, we saw the talent, and I'll let Sharon talk about that a little bit here in in his schedule, uh, coming out strong and winning in his first start. Absolutely. Uh, What an exciting race to watch. Uh, Ty Gibbs looked like a pro out there, and it was actually his very first racing on the Daytona Road Course or in the NASCAR Xfinity Series, for that matter. Uh, So after he claimed his first win, JGR came out this week uh, to announce the rest of Ty Gibbs' schedule for this season in the Xfinity Series. He's going to be back behind the wheel at Phoenix Raceway, Martinsville Speedway, Darlington Raceway, Dover International Speedway, Charlotte Motor Speedway, Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course, Pocono, Dover, I'm sorry, not Pocono, Darlington Raceway, Dover International Speedway. Yeah, okay, I just got uh, my lines mixed up there. Uh, Pocono Raceway is on on the schedule, Road America, Watkins Glen International, Indianapolis Motor Speedway's road course, Michigan International Speedway, Richmond, 
and the Charlotte Roval along with Kansas Speedway. So a lot of road courses on that schedule, uh, but he's getting some experience with some of the other uh, big tracks here in the Xfinity Series as well, Jay. Well, and I think that was the design because apparently he wasn't as good as on road courses what the what he wanted to be. So that was where they kind of put the focus. <laughs> I don't know how much more practice he needs because uh, come out there and win. So we'll see how the rest he of his sure season did. plays out. Uh, one yeah, note he here sure... we got Nemechek. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Team. Uh He's going to be joining San Hunt Racing in the number six twenty six. Toyota in select races this season, and that all starts at Dover International Speedway. He's running full-time in the Camping World Truck Series for Kyle Busch Motorsports, and he joins Sam Hunt Racing. Uh, that includes Brian Godovic, uh, Chris Wright, and Santino Ferrucci uh, in, at that organization. So they're all going to be sharing that uh, truck, that car in the Xfinity Series this year. So, again, uh, I think uh, Jay will tell us a little bit more about uh, Santino. Yeah, Ferrucci will be making his NASCAR debut on Saturday. And the former Indianapolis 500 Rookie of the Year, Santino Ferrucci, is scheduled to make his NASCAR Xfinity Series debut this weekend for Sam Hunt Racing. He'll pilot the number 26 Toyota Supra and is scheduled to run the next five races for the team. So another one to really look forward to uh, seeing in the Xfinity Series this year on a part-time basis. Yes, indeed. I think that's pretty exciting. It's so good to see so many crossovers uh, taking place uh, within NASCAR. Now let's uh, take a look at the playoff outlook after the Daytona Road Course. Austin Sindrick, of course, uh, he won the first race. He's uh, got the one win under his belt. Uh, he's got one stage win and six playoff ports, points, uh, so he is at the top of the list uh, in the Xfinity Series. But behind him is Harrison Burton, uh, and Harrison is in second place, uh, 81 points to Austin Sendricks, 105 points. Uh, then you've got Daniel Hemrick at 75 points in third, Brandon Brown 72 points in fourth, and Maya Snyder rounding out the top five at 79 points. I'm sorry, 69 points. Uh, Jeb Burton, though, is in sixth behind Maya Snyder. Then you've got Jeremy Clements in seventh at 54 points. Justin Haley in eighth place at 50 points. Brandon Jones in ninth place at 48 points. Kyle Weatherman, 46 points in tenth place. Joe Graff Jr., and Jesse Little tied for 11th and 12th at 43 points each. So uh, it's going to be fun. I, I love seeing these names in that top 12 uh, this early in the season, Jay. They certainly do, and hopefully they stay that way. I know we got, again, some top contenders. Uh, we didn't see the name Noah Gregson in there, that these guys are going to be rebounding, climbing their way back up. But for right now, uh, if you're out front, they got to catch you. So definitely going to be interesting right. to see where that all shakes out. Okay, now on now to Harrison gonna... Burton. All right, we're going to put our eyes on Harrison Burton. Tommy picked him. He made a statement last year in his rookie year with Joe Gibbs Racing in the Xfinity Series 
winning four races, making it to the playoff, and winning that Sunoco Rookie of the Year honors. Now, he started out this season just as strong, too. In the first two races of the season, Burton finished third in the season opener at Daytona International Speedway and then finished sixth at the Daytona Road Course. He's already led a total of 31 laps in both races with his crew chief, Jason Ratcliffe, on the pit box. Now, heading into this weekend at Homestead Miami Speedway, Burton has some momentum on his side, having won this race last season. It was his second career win after winning at Auto Club Speedway to start the 2020 season. Burton started from the pole in the June race and led only two laps in route to the victory. But he had a strong final restart that put him out front and took control of those final two laps. Last season's race had 18 lead changes and five cautions for 25 laps. Burton's margin of victory over second-place finisher Austin Sindrick was .179 seconds. Burton has the fourth-best driver rating at Homestead Miami Speedway at 101.5 and the second-best driver rating season this season at 113.3. So, again, got to keep your eye on him all year. I promise you that. Definitely. Uh, trust me, I will be picking Harrison Burton uh, throughout this season. Okay, now we're going to talk a little bit here about uh, Homestead's history. Uh, some of this is a little bit of a repeat from what Jay just told you, uh, but Saturday's Contender Boats 250 at Homestead, Miami, is actually the 28th NASCAR Xfinity Series race held at that 1.5-mile track. Now, last season, as Jay mentioned, Harrison Burton won the first race at Homestead, leading those final two laps before taking home his second career victory. Chase Briscoe went on to win the second race at the Florida track after leading just 11 laps. Nor Gregson in the number nine junior motorsports Chevrolet led a race-high 81 laps and ended up finishing in fifth. Brandon Jones finished second, while Ross Chastain finished third, and A.J. Allmendinger uh, finished in fourth place. The race had six cautions, 28 laps, uh, and had 20 lead changes. The margin of victory, just .072 seconds. So it was a close one. The inaugural NASCAR Xfinity Series race at Homestead was on November the 5th of 1995 when Dale Jarrett took home the win and Joe Nemechek won the pole award. That's when he was known as Front Row Joe. There have been 20 different pole winners and 20 different race winners at the track in the Xfinity Series. Burton's last win last season made him the youngest series winner at that track. He was just 18 years, 8 months, 19 years, 8 months, and 4 days old. Tyler Reddick, on the other hand, holds the race record from November 17th of 2018 at 140.515 miles per hour. Now, there have been five races, one from the pole or the first starting position. Again, front row Joe Nemechek holds the record for the most races run at Homestead in the Xfinity Series. He has 19 uh, Kyle Busch, Jeff Green, Brad Keselowski, Joey Logano, and Tyler, Tyler Reddick are all tied for the most pole wins. At two, Joe Nemechek holds the record for the most wins at the track with three, 
while Kyle Busch and Mark Martin are tied for the most top fives at seven. Matt Kenseth has the most top tens with 10. Kyle Busch has led the most 487. Now, three drivers in history got their first Xfinity Series career win at the track. Keep in mind, we've seen a couple of uh, first wins already this season. So Cole Custer did it at Homestead in 2017, Casey Kane in 2003, and Regan Smith got his first win in 2012. So some interesting stats there for Homestead Miami Speedway. Well, and if we take a look at some of the recent numbers at, at the track, uh, there were 20 lead changes and eight different leaders in the most recent race at the track, six cautions for 28 laps, and only nine cars finishing on the lead lap, and 31 total cars running at the finish. The winner led only 11 laps, and that was in last year's Homestead-Miami race. Okay. We can go ahead and move on to the next topic. <laughs> All right. Uh, we talked about this. Uh, give you a little more info. The first-timer, Ty Gibbs, clobbered the Daytona road course. Uh, is a, Ty Gibbs is a grandson of team owner Joe Gibbs and made history last weekend at the Daytona road course. Gibbs, who was making his first career start in the NASCAR Xfinity Series, won the race in the number 54 Toyota for Joe Gibbs Racing, added his name to a list of drivers that won in their first Xfinity start. Dale Earnhardt was the first to make history at Daytona International Speedway in February 1982. Joe Rutman did it at Dover International Speedway in May of 82. Ricky Rudd won his first career start at Dover International Speedway in May of 1983. Terry Labonte did it in October of 85. That was at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Now, prior to, prior to Gibbs' win, Kurt Busch did it in April 2006. That come at Texas Motor Speedway. Now, Gibbs also became the youngest driver to win a NASCAR Xfinity Series road course event at 18 years, 4 months, and 16 days record was previously held by the second place finisher Austin Sindrick who at the time was 20 years old and JGR's Daniel Hemrick in the number 18 and Brandon Jones in the number 19 finished third and fourth and Jeb Burton then in the number 10 for college racing rounded out the top five the 52 lap race on the 3.610 mile road course had 11 different lead changes and seven cautions for 14 laps. Gibbs crossed the finish line 1.726 seconds uh, before Sindrick. There were 1,408 green flag passes, which is 33.5 per green flag lap. And this weekend, the Xfinity Series again will head to uh, Homestead Miami Speedway for the Contender Boats 250. Saturday the 27th at 4.30 p.m. Eastern Time. You can catch it on FS1, MRN, or Sirius XM Satellite Radio. I believe that Sharon mentioned this to start. We'll recap here. The race will be 250.5 miles, 160 laps. Stage 1 ends on lap 40. Stage 2 ending on lap 80. Now, Sindrick will start on the pole for Saturday's race with Hemrick joining him on the front row. Harrison Burton and Brandon Jones will fill up the second row. Okay, and that will be 167 laps for that race. Um, so, yeah, definitely 
this is going to be a fun one to watch. I love the Xfinity series. Uh, they have just, in the last few years, they've really stepped up their game. And I love seeing uh, the mix that we have in the Xfinity series with some of the more veteran drivers uh, racing with a lot of these newer drivers. And uh, these newer drivers are coming in. I mentioned it earlier. They're coming in with more and more talent at younger and younger ages, Jay. They certainly are. And Joe Gibbs, we've seen, or I'm sorry, Ty Gibbs, uh, we've seen him run in the ARCA series, know the talent. Uh, but to come in in your first race, and like I mentioned, the road courses, he didn't feel like that was necessarily his expertise. But he ran up front and handled it like a pro, put the pressure on uh, Cindric when, when needed, and held him off. So uh, quite an impressive drive for him. Yes, indeed. It it definitely was. Uh, and uh, we'll have a lot more to look forward to there with the schedule that we mentioned earlier uh, for Ty Gibbs. A lot of road courses on that schedule. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to the Cup Series here. Uh, they also are racing at Homestead Miami Speedway this weekend. Uh, they'll be racing the 5th C Bosca 400 on Sunday, February the 28th at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Fox will have pre-race coverage starting at 2 p.m. Eastern, and, of course, radio coverage is on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR radio. The distance of this race is 400.5 miles over 267 laps. The first two stages are 80 laps each, with the last stage ending on the last lap. Jay, have you watched the crew yet? I've, I've watched I have not it. had it's, a, it's pretty funny. I, I've seen some of the clips from it, but I have not had a chance to actually watch it uh, episode to episode. Uh, hearing a lot of good reviews about it. I heard some negative, but there's always some negative out there. Uh, but I, I am looking forward to watching it, and I know we've gotten a taste of it already. Going to get a little bit more here with this weekend as the crew, Sarah Stiles, is going to perform the virtual national anthem. Now, as fans around the globe continue to dive into that Netflix new racing-themed comedy series, The Crew, fans of the show will have that opportunity to see one of its lead actresses showcase her singing talent ahead of this Sunday's Dixie Vodka 400 from Homestead Miami Speedway. Styles is a multi-talented actress, musician, and two-time Tony Award, Tony Award nominee and can currently be seen starring as Beth in The Crew alongside Kevin James. On television, Sarah also recurs as Bonnie Barella on Showtime's hit series Billions and starred in Epic's critically acclaimed series Get Shorty. Additional television and film credits include Steven Soderbergh's Unsane, I'm Dying Up Here, Blacklist, Dietland, as well as the animated Steven Universe for Cartoon Network and Sunny Day for Nickelodeon. She lends her voice on the recording of uh, Pascas and Paul's James and the Giant Peach as well. Uh, on stage, Sarah Stiles has starred in the Broadway production of Tootsie as Sandy Lester. She earned Tony, Outer Critics Circle, and Drama Desk Award nominations for Outstanding Featured Actress in a Musical for that role. She's also starred in various Broadway productions, including her Tony-nominated performances. Jessica in Hand to God, On a Clear Day You Can See Forever, 
Kate and Lucy for Ab- an Avenue Q, and the 25th annual Putnam County Spelling Bee. Going back to 2016, penned her solo show, Squirrel Heart, which she performed to sold-out audience at Joe's Pub at the Public in New York, uh, New York City. Her debut, Ep, Ep You Can Ukulele With Me, was released by Broadway Records in August of 2020. So quite a quite a range there. I got to give her that. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, that is quite a uh, uh, resume there for Sarah Styles, and uh, it do take some time. Uh, if you've got Netflix, uh, watch it. If you don't have Netflix, get it uh, because uh, I think you'll really enjoy the crew. Uh, you can tell they're having a good time doing the show. Uh, as well as uh, there's some funny lines. Uh, and what's interesting, too, is uh, they they have some cameos on that show from some of the NASCAR drivers. So I'm not going to give it away, but uh, you'll have to tune in to see who, who uh, cameos on the crew. Now, let's go ahead and look at Homestead Miami uh, because a lot of fans are going to be happy to know that they are hosting a limited number of fans uh, this weekend. And they announced back in December that the 1.5-mile track is uh, going to host to a reduced number of fans and will also be pushed back one week later than originally scheduled. Now, the decision to limit fans is due to the ongoing uh, COVID-19 pandemic. We'll be glad when that's over. Uh, but it's in accordance with the enhanced safety protocols and procedures to provide a safe environment for guests, NASCAR competitors, employees, and the local community. Uh, The weekend now set for this weekend, the third weekend of the 2021 NASCAR season, is headlined uh, with the Dixie Vodka 400 uh, race that will take place on Sunday. Now, we've already mentioned the time and date, so I won't get into that. But the NASCAR Cupping World, Cup World, the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series race originally scheduled um, Friday, February the 19th, has been realigned to that Daytona Road Course race for that same date. So uh, we did race at Daytona last week on the road course uh, to make up for the fact that uh, the, the Miami Homestead race was moved up to this weekend. So uh, that's already in the books, and now we look forward to what's going to happen at uh, Daytona this weekend with fans in the stands. And I know the drivers uh, really appreciate uh, seeing fans in the stands. Well, and some good news coming with that. A lot of tracks coming up are getting the 30% approval, so maybe we'll catch on that on Hot Topics, but that's Mm -hmm. improving. So Uh, one other return, not just fans returning, but Steve Letard is returning. He's going to return to the pit box for Spire Motorsports. They announced this week several team members on the number seven car will not be participating in this weekend's race at Homestead Miami Speedway due to the COVID-19 protocols. And that includes crew chief Ryan Sparks. As a result, former NASCAR Cup Series crew chief turned NBC sports analyst on NASCAR TV 
will return to the pit box this weekend and lead that number seven team with Corey LaJoy. Now, Latart served as crew chief in the NASCAR Cup Series for nine full seasons at Hendrick Motorsports. During that time, Latart led NASCAR Hall of Famer Jeff Gordon to 10 wins and Dale Earnhardt Jr. at five wins to a combined total of 15 victories in the series. However, none were at Homestead. LaJoy has made four series starts at Homestead Miami Speedway, posting an average finish of 31.2. So let's, let's look for an improvement on that this weekend. Yeah, really cool to see Steve Latart coming back as, as a crew chief. Uh, for Spire Motorsports, so I'm excited to hear that. Okay, now we'll take a look at the rookie rundown. Alfredo pours on the sauce at the Daytona Road Course with two races in the books. There's just no question that the NASCAR Cup Series 2021 Sunoco Rookie of the Year class is full of talent. Now, despite being only two drivers, uh, including Front Row Motorsports' Anthony Alfredo, and Stuart Haas Racing Chase Briscoe, uh, there's going to be a lot of action, I think, between these two drivers. <clears throat> Excuse me. Following a 22nd place finish that earned him the Sunoco Rookie of the Race Award last weekend on the Daytona Road Course, Anthony Alfredo closed the points gap between himself and his fellow rookie Chase Briscoe to just three points. But Alfredo is going to have his work cut out for him this weekend if he wants to surpass Briscoe in those standings at Homestead Miami Speedway. Now, Alfredo has just one national start at the 1.5-mile track in the Camping World Truck Series. That was in 2019 when he started 24th and finished 32nd due to an engine failure. But the leader, Chase Briscoe, on the other hand, has found a lot of success at Homestead, Miami. He has won at the track in both the Xfinity Series in 2020 and again in the Camping World Truck Series in 2017. Uh, but Fredo, uh, fool you, I think he's going to be a contender right up there with Chase Cisco this weekend. Certainly going to be something to keep an eye on there. The rookie battles always are. Now, another thing that we we're keeping an eye on new this year, the 2311 or XI Racing is starting strong and so far the best among new cup teams. As NBA legend Michael Jordan made it very clear he wanted to be successful in NASCAR in his preseason interviews, and the new team he started in conjunction with Joe Gibbs Racing driver Denny Hamlin, the 23XI Racing, is starting off the season in the right direction. Now, Jordan and Hamlin tapped Mobile, Alabama's Bubba Wallace to pilot the number 23 Toyota this season, and the 27-year-old is looking up for the challenge. Wallace kicked off the season off finishing 17th after being involved in a multi-car last lap incident in the Daytona 500, but not before grabbing points in the first stage, two stages of the race. He then followed that up with a 26th place finish at the Daytona Road Course and now sits 13th in the NASCAR Cup Series driver standings, 17 points ahead of the playoff cutoff, which is the second best start to a cup season for Wallace following the first two seasons. He was 12th in points after the first two last year. Now, Wallace is no slouch at Homestead Miami Speedway either. While working his way up the NASCAR ranks, 
He collected a NASCAR Camping World series, Truck Series victory at the 1.5-mile track back in 2014. In the NASCAR Cup Series, he's made three starts at Homestead, Miami, posting a best finish of 13th last season. And when you compare the number 23, 2311 Racing Toyota, to the two other new teams in the NASCAR Cup Series this season, the 99 Trackhouse Racing Chevrolet, driven by Daniel Suarez, and the number 78 Live Fast Motorsports Ford, driven by BJ McLeod, the 23XI Racing is far outperforming them. The 2311 Racing is ranked 8th, which is 41 points in the NASCAR Cup Series owner points, is followed by Live Fast Motorsports in 23rd at 14 points, and Trackhouse Racing in 33rd at only 4 points. Uh, There again, that hot topic I'm sure coming out of that. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Yes, indeed. And some other things that fans are talking about already this season is the playoff picture uh, with 24 more races left in the regular season to decide who's going to qualify for the playoffs. Already we see two new names on that list, and they'll be making their debuts during the postseason this year. Those names, of course, are Michael McDowell and Christopher Bell. They've already locked themselves into the playoffs uh, in the first two races of the season. Now, looking ahead to this weekend's race, the Dixie Vodka 400 at Homestead, Miami, uh, there are uh, 15 are hoping to etch their name on that postseason list. Now, it's supposed to be 16 drivers uh, that are moving on to the postseason playoffs, uh, so you, everybody's wondering who's going to be the next drivers to add their names to that list. Now, two drivers looking for their first win this season uh, includes Joe Gibbs Racing's Kyle Busch and Stuart Haas Racing driver Kevin Harvick. Uh, there are two, only two drivers entered this weekend that have won in all three of NASCAR's national series at Homestead Miami Speedway. Bush has uh, two wins there in 2015 and 19. And uh, let's see, the NASCAR Cup Series 2 in the Xfinity Series in 2009 and 2010, and three in the Campaign World Truck Series in 10, 13, and again in 20. Harvick has collected one victory in each series, uh, the Cup Series in 2014, Xfinity in 2004, and the Truck Series in 2009. Now, last season in the Homestead Cup race, Bush finished uh, in ninth. He posted his ninth career top ten finish, which was a sixth-place finish at that track, and Harvick finished in 26th place. His first finish that was outside the top ten at uh, Homestead since 2007 when he finished in 19th place. Now, Bush's Joe Gibbs Racing teammate, Denny Hamlin, is the early favorite for this weekend at Homestead uh, from Chesterfield, Virginia. Uh, He is tied with Greg Biffle, the NASCAR Hall of Famer Tony Stewart, for the series' most wins with three apiece. Now, he's also... Uh, the defending winner of this race as he took the season's, uh, last season's checkered flag from the pole after leading a race-high 137 laps. 
In total, Hamlin has made 16 series starts at Homestead, posting three wins, five top fives, and 11 top ten finishes. The next most recent winner in the Cup Series at Homestead is Team Penske's Joey Logano, who took home the series title after winning the 2018 season finale. Now, Logano's made 12 starts at the track. He has one win there, four top fives, and six top tens. And at 30 years of age, Logano finished 27th at Homestead Miami just last season. It was, again, his first finish outside the top 10 since 2014 when he finished 16th. Like Logano, Joe Gibbs Racing's Martin Truex Jr. won the 2017 season finale at Homestead Miami Speedway. That was with Furniture Row Racing when he also collected the series title. Now, Truex finished 12th there last year, and he broke his streak of one true won two finishes dating back to 2017. Uh, of course, that again, in 2017, he finished first. In 2018, and again, in 2019, he had runner-up finishes at Homestead. In 16 starts at Homestead, Truex has posted one win, six top fives, and ten top tens. The sixth active uh, driver, to win at Homestead Miami is Chip Ganassi Racing's Kurt Busch, who won back in 2002, driving for Rosh Fenway Racing. In total, Busch has made 20 starts at Homestead, putting up one win, four top fives, and seven top tens. He finished 17th there last season. Seven additional Cup Series uh, drivers entered this weekend have won at Homestead Miami. Uh, in the Xfinity Series, including Brad Keselowski with two wins in the 11 and 13, Chase Biscoe last year, Tyler Reddick in 2019 and 18, and Cole Custer in 2017. Daniel Suarez won there in 2016, Kyle Larson in 2015, Ryan Newman in 2005. Briscoe, however, is the only driver of the seven to win at Homestead in both the Xfinity and the Camping World Truck Series. He won the Xfinity race, as we mentioned, in 2020, but he won the Camping World Truck Series race um, in 2017. Two additional Cup Series drivers entered this weekend have won at Homestead Miami in the Truck Series. That is William Byron in 2016 and Bubba Wallace in 2014. Uh, Looking at the drivers uh, and how they stand in the playoff outlook, uh, Christopher Bell and Michael McDowell, of course, are at the top of that list with their wins so far this season. Uh, Behind them is Denny Hamlin in third place. Uh, Even though he has more points, he's in third place because he does not yet have a win. So in fourth place is Joey Logano, then you've got Kevin Harvick in fifth, Chase Elliott in sixth, Ryan Priest, Kurt Busch, Austin Dillon, and Brad Keselowski round out the top ten. But you've got to look at Austin Dillon and Brad Keselowski are actually in a tie uh, in the ninth and tenth spot. Behind them in positions uh, 
up to position 16 includes Cole Custer, Kyle Larson, Bubba Wallace, Martin Truex Jr., Corey LaJoy, and Ricky Stenhouse Jr. A few surprises there, but there's even more surprises below that line when you consider that Kyle Busch is in 17th place, three points behind that 16th place cutoff. Then Chris Buescher, Ryan Blaney, and Ross Chastain rounding out the top 20 there. So some interesting names in that uh, playoff list so far. Uh, It certainly is. One of the things to look at uh, this week, uh, Joe Gibbs Racing, obviously riding high after the Daytona Road Course, and Bell can make history this week. A big celebratory week for the JGR Complex uh, after a successful weekend on the Daytona Road Course. We talked about Joe Gibbs' grandson, Ty Gibbs, son of Coy, getting his first NASCAR National Series victory in the Xfinity Series. Mentioned he was just the sixth driver to win in his debut, uh, put himself on a, quite a list. But also, NASCAR Cup Series driver Christopher Bell collected his first career victory in the Cup Series on Sunday. And to boot, Bell's teammate, Denny Hamlin claimed the NASCAR Cup Series lead now by 12 points over Team Penske's Joey Logano. Now, the JGR camp looked to keep winning this weekend. Denny Hamlin, defending NASCAR Cup Series Homestead Miami winner, uh, taking the checkered flag last season from the pole after leading a race-high 137 laps. It was his third victory at the South Florida track, the other two in 2009-2013 which tied Greg Biffle, who did it in 04, 05, and 06, as well as Tony Stewart in 1999, 2000, and 2011 for the series most. Also gave JGR the series leads in wins by an organization at the 1.5-mile facility with eight victories. Tony Stewart with a pair of them in 99 and 2000, Bobby Labonte in 03, Hamlin, as I mentioned, and Kyle Busch with a 2015 and 19 wins. Speaking of Kyle Busch, Martin Truex at 2017 are also winners at the Homestead Miami Speedway in the Cup Series, looking for their first win on the season. Busch finished sixth in last season's race, and Martin Truex finished 12th. Now, when we look at Christopher Bell, got that first career win at the Daytona Road Course, looking to become just the fourth driver in series history to follow up his first career win with another a feat not accomplished in the series since 1964. If he'd a win this weekend, he would join Billy Wade from 1964, NASCAR Hall of Famer Ned Jarrett in 59, and Dick Linder in 1950 as the only four drivers in history to accomplish that feat, and Bell would be the first in the modern era, which is from 1972 to the present. Wade holds the record for the most consecutive wins following a driver's first career with four consecutive victories. Now, Bell made his series track debut at Homestead uh, last season, starting 38th, and raced his way up to an eighth-place finish. So that looks good for him. Mm-hmm. It certainly does. The other big question, I think, for this weekend is that it's been 70 years since we've had three consecutive new winners and uh, this weekend, we'll find out if we have another new winner at Homestead Miami. So uh, something for fans to kind of watch and see if we can have three consecutive first-time winners in the NASCAR Cup Series for the first time in 70 years. 
So uh, it should be a lot of fun. Uh, Jay, I, I uh, definitely am looking forward to the races this weekend at Homestead. Uh, we're still in Florida, but uh, hopefully uh, the weather will hold out for us and we'll be able to watch a lot of great uh, racing this weekend in Pensacola as well as Homestead, Miami. Oh, you're definitely going to see some great racing one way or another. And just keep in mind there, you mentioned that uh, possibility of three consecutive first-time winners. Somebody the other night said Tyler Reddick could be the one to make that happen. Yep, we'll have to wait and see if that comes to pass. You know how time always tells the rest of that story. <laughs> I, I just want the fantasy points. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Uh, I think uh, Jay is the one who maybe made that prediction there. Okay. Uh, It is the top of the hour, and that means it is now time for NASCAR Hot Topics Sound Off. And joining us uh, for tonight's Hot Topics is uh, our newest member of the Fan for Racing crew. He's kind of in a loop here. I'm giving it a second here for that loop to stop spinning. Uh, for us to introduce him into the show. Um, huh. It's a little longer than usual. We may have to ask uh, Tommy to hang up and call back in because that loop just seems to keep going here. Uh, Tommy, why don't you hang up and give us a call back, and uh, we'll bring you back into the loop here. Uh, so we know Tommy's going to join us for Hot Topics tonight, Jay. Uh, I know Andy uh, told us a little bit earlier that he could not make it, and uh, Mike cannot make it tonight. So I'm looking forward to having Hot Topics here tonight with uh, uh, Tommy Kraft and, and yourself. Well, the good thing is, is his first night here there on Monday night, we must not have uh, beat him up or intimidated him too bad if he's coming back tonight. Yeah, I'm getting a lot of circles here. I can't even pre-screen for him to tell him to hang up and call back. Um, So I hope he gets the message. (laughs) I'm going to kind of refresh my screen here and see what happens. I seem to be in a weird loop here, Jay. Well, while you're working on that, I'm actually going to try and catch him on the – team page there and see if he gets that notification. Okay. I don't know if the website just went down or what. Site under maintenance. (laughs) All of a sudden the website is under maintenance, Jay. Uh, Okay. Well, hopefully we both stay on. That's what earlier, I don't know what was happening because I was getting, my phone wasn't hanging up, but I wasn't, wasn't getting uh, audio. Yeah, that's kind of a weird time for them to be doing maintenance. Um, So bear with us uh, for those who are tuning in here tonight. For some reason, the website is under maintenance during our radio show, and I'm having a hard time bringing our next uh, uh, person into the loop on the show here. I hope the fans can hear us. Okay, hopefully Tommy will call back in. Uh, We're back into the website, so Tommy, give us a call back in, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to bring you back into the queue here. Here we go. 
Hopefully it'll be a lot quicker this time. Okay, there we go, Tommy. Can you hear us? Yes. Yes, I can. How are All y'all? right, we have we have Tommy on the show. For some strange reason, Tommy, uh, Blog Talk Radio decided to do a website maintenance right at the moment that you were calling in. So we apologize for the length of time it took for us to bring you in. It's okay. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Jay, we're going to uh, start out our hot topics here tonight. Why don't you kick it off with our first hot topic? Well, real quick, I was going to tell Tommy, I said that uh, we apparently didn't intimidate him to it. you too bad last week, uh, Monday night, you came back. Well, welcome to radio. That's what you, you got to deal with issues like that on the fly. <laughs> well, I'm glad to be back. Start Thanks for having me. Oh, yeah. We hope you can join us quite frequently here. Uh, we love it. Um, first topic we're going to look at, uh, we, we mentioned Sharon and I talked about it in the preview to start the Cup Series. Steve Letarte returning to the pit box where uh, and I don't remember how long it has been, but hopefully everybody got a chance to listen to the audio from the interview he did on Sirius XM, the morning drive this morning. Uh, some great info and insight. Wanted to see what your guys' take on that was and what you think the impact of it could be. Okay, Tommy, why don't you go first? Okay. Well, um, I looked at his uh, stats uh, on uh, NASCAR reference, racing reference, and he has 15 wins, and um, they were – he had six wins in one season with Gordon, and then in 2014 he had four wins with Junior. So um, he hasn't been on the pit box since 2014, though. So, But he's one of those guys that's kind of like Larry McReynolds and – Every and all the other well-known crew chiefs, and he's a really good crew chief. But um, you know, just based off of kind of Corey LaJoy's uh, equipment, I don't really expect him to be a factor in the race. But maybe Steve Letarte can get him a better position or a better finish than he normally would, which is could definitely be a possibility because I think Steve Letarte likes to gamble on pit stops and um. And if he needs any help, I mean, he has that alliance with Hendricks, so he'll have all the support he needs. Yeah, I definitely think the benefactor here of having Steve Lestart at Spire Motorsports for Corey LaJoy is Corey LaJoy and Spire Motorsports because I agree with you, Tommy. I think that uh, uh, he may have an opportunity uh, to do things that maybe they haven't been able to do before. And uh, we'll see what happens. I know money is always a factor, but uh, Steve Letard is a really good crew chief, and I kind of get a feeling he can make the most with the, with a little. So we'll see what happens this weekend. Uh, but I look forward to Corey LaJoy, ha- Corey LaJoy having a really good run this weekend. So, Jay, what are your thoughts? Well, I had had one initially uh, that I want to talk about, and then having listened to that interview, something that Steve brought to the table. Uh, to start with, when I first saw it, uh, you know, obviously uh, the the team following the protocol, their crew chief as well as the other couple members not able to be there this weekend, to go out and have to get somebody to fill in, to be able to coax Steve Letarte out of the booth 
uh, I know he's, he doesn't he does the NBC portion, which is later in the year, so he is available. But to come back uh, since uh, Tommy mentioned 2014, the caliber there. So that that made my mind start spinning. We've talked about this. Of uh, Spire Motorsports is one that I see as as a possibility to building to a great two, possibly three car team, depending on what the money money and team does, how they split that up uh, next year, but what they're building there, and Steve Letarte does do some consulting with them and, you know, I know he's friends with the team owner, and I can't think of his name right now um, mm. but to be willing to help out a friend, but also seeing the possibility, the the uh, what's the right word, the capability that they have in the future it may not be showing up right now but what they can build to in the future and wanting to help that build that. So that was my first thought, and whether he might start doing more with the team uh, other than just consulting um, to help build that. But then listening to his interview, he took it that one step further. It's a one-off deal, you know, they needed somebody, I'm available, I'm going to help them out. It's what he can bring back from it when he comes on to cover the race as an analyst. You talk about being mm-hmm. out for six or seven years. He was talking about it, the choose line. You know, yeah, they talk about it, but to be down there hands-on. How they're handling pit stops now with the the manpower, I want to say shortage, but restrictions. The crew chief actually has to come off the pit box sometimes to help do things. And so to be able to talk about these teams that are doing it, how they're doing it effectively or not, being down there hands-on. You know, we've heard drivers talk about that. If you're out of the car for a year, I mean, you are missing certain things just because of the evolution of the car, the sport, the digital dash, all these things. So to be able to bring that, if it is a one-time deal, when he comes on in the second half of the season for NBC Sports, to be able to talk directly about it hands-on. Uh, you know, unfortunately, I know when we talked about Daryl Waltrip leaving the booth, he was so far removed, although he could look at the car and, you know, talk to drivers and whatever, so far removed from it for, for Letarte to be in there and be hands-on and get that first-hand experience and then bring that back and be able to bring it to the fans via his broadcast position, I think is a huge benefit that I hadn't even thought of. Oh, okay. Tommy, your follow-up comments. Yeah, I think that's uh that's a good point that, uh, since he'll be on the the pit box this weekend, uh, when he gets back in the booth with NBC, he'll have a lot more. He'll have an advantage that Larry McReynolds hasn't had in a while. But, uh, yeah, that'll be interesting. Um, I think he'll get a – Corey LaJoy will have a good run this weekend for sure, and I'm sure Steve Letarte will gamble a little bit. Yeah, I, I think you're right, Tommy. I think we will see some gambles on the pit stops. And, uh, Jay, I thought you brought up a good point as well, uh, that he hasn't been a crew chief for a while. Uh, I know he's been advising uh, or consulting, I think it's the word you used. Uh, But this will be kind of a good refresher for him of what's actually happening uh, in that role uh, currently. And uh, I do look forward to him bringing some of that information back to the booth on NBC later this season. So I think both of you brought up some really good points. Uh, I'm still looking for Corey to enjoy to have a good run and uh, watching that race take place. But uh, 
Jay, I wanted to mention, I also liked your point about uh, what Spire Motorsports is doing because uh, they are going to come up to speed, I think, very quickly, especially when they have a driver like Steve Lothart uh, kind of behind the scenes helping to guide things. So, Jay, what are your follow-up comments? Yeah, like I said, it was a great interview. You can you can pull it up. I know on Twitter it was under uh, Sirius XM Radio. Uh, you can pull up that live live interview or the replay of it. Again, that was this morning on the morning drive. But uh, to, to hear what he had to say, and, and like I said, if somebody the caliber of, we mentioned uh, Steve Letarte's credentials with Hendrick Motorsports, that he is consulting with them, willing to help out and be a part of that, I mean, tells you that they see some potential. There's the word I was looking for earlier. The potential that is there and their desire and drive to build something solid and, and the fact that somebody of Steve Letarte's caliber is willing to invest in it tells you he sees that potential. Uh, so I'm really excited about the future of what Spire Motorsports could do. And we know they're, uh, again, get into that debate of right place at right time, but they are a Cup Series winner with Justin Haley here a uh, year was that last year or the year before with Justin Haley at Daytona? So that's what they established on and are building on. To uh, build upon, uh, for sure. Okay, Tommy, why don't you uh, give us our next hot topic? I believe it is the Bristol Dirt Heat Races. Okay. Jay, I know you were anxious to talk about this one, too. Well, and I've heard a lot about this. Uh, listen to, again, you've heard me say it before, I listen to Sirius XM Radio a lot throughout the day. Um, again, some fans uh, for it, some against it, some are undecided. I hope for the best for it. I do have some concerns. I've been attending, they didn't have it this past year with the COVID, but the, the dirt race in the Dome at they, uh, St. Louis. What I have seen and heard they're doing a much better job of it, and they have better capability, obviously, on a track like Bristol. Um, so some of my concerns with that were quelled in seeing what they are doing in the preparation. So I am excited about it, and I do hope for the best. I still got a little bit of reservation, but I think they're going about it the right way, and we've seen this in the truck series. I, I know they've tried this, in a, and I can't think off the top of my head, the other race where they, I think it was an Xfinity series where they tried the heat races. But when it comes to dirt, you almost really have to. Um, gives them a little bit. Again, some of these drivers don't have dirt experience. So that 15 laps is going to be a little bit of a, a test session, if you will. Let them get the feel for it. The gamble is when you, when you do heat races, instead of one or two laps of one car out there, you're talking about 10, 15. I think there's supposed to be four separate uh, races. Turn up the equipment. Uh, there again, I mean, that's part of racing. I get it, especially when it comes to dirt track, when you do these heat races. So we'll have to see how that plays out. But I think this is the best thing to do, especially since you're selling it as a dirt race. Yeah, I would agree. I think that uh, that's the whole idea here <laughs> is they want to shake things up a little bit. Uh, we've already are seeing some new names in the top 10 or the top 16 uh, playoff eligible drivers after the first two races this season. I'm thinking that this Bristol dirt race is going to shake things up some more in that list. 
And what that does is it makes it maybe a little bit harder for some of these drivers that we always see in that group uh, to be able to be there, uh, especially this early in the season. So I think uh, it's going to make it interesting. You're right, Jay. They're going to have to take care of the car. There's always a chance that in a heat race uh, they can get mangled up and and uh, not make it to the uh, final part there. But uh, I think that's what's going to make it kind of exciting for a lot of fans. Uh, and it's going to force fans, uh, if they're NASCAR fans at all, they're going to want to tune in to see what does happen because there is that element of the unknown. Uh, so I think it's going to make it, uh, and I think it's going to make the whole year kind of interesting to see what happens at uh, Bristol Motor Speedway. It might make it a little tougher for some of these uh, that we're used to seeing up there uh, perennially. So, Tommy, I'm curious to know your thoughts. Um, so, I'm super excited that they're actually doing the heat races because more racing to watch, which is exactly what I want. And uh, I can't wait for the dirt race. I do have to say that I'm, I'm actually looking forward to the Circuit of Americas race in Austin, Texas as well. But uh, Bristol's right up there with that. I can't wait. And um, I really think that drivers that have wanted Eldora before, I was looking at that earlier today, and I think that there are going to be factors for sure in this dirt race. So, like Bubba Wallace, Christopher Bell, Kyle Larson, of course. Um, I saw Chase Briscoe. And then when we even get to watch the truck races, Ben Rhodes and Matt Crafton and Stuart Friesen, they're all, they're all mm-hmm. up there. So, I'm super, I'm super pumped to watch this. And then people like Haley Deegan and Sheldon Creed are good on dirt, supposedly, so they'll be good on at Bristol as well. Okay. Uh, Jay, any follow-up comments? Yeah, well, and the one thing I look at, and we've talked about this in when the truck series started going to, to dirt, Kyle Busch is one. He wants to win. And he's going to do whatever it takes. He's he's lined up to do a late model race there, I believe, two weeks prior, one or two weeks prior to the uh, the Cup race there. Again, they're going to be doing several different series in it uh, on that dirt there at Bristol throughout the month, I believe, all the way into April. Um, so that'll that'll be interesting. The one thing that appalled me, one of the callers that I heard today, you know, claimed to be a NASCAR fan, and I understand the point of Bristol was great to begin with but they were so disappointed they were putting dirt on it that they weren't even going to watch it. And I'm like, again, I got apprehensions about it, but how can you not want to see what happens? How are you going to say you just won't even watch it at all? Uh, and, and that totally floored the host, uh, Dave Moody, as well. Um, you know, you, you got to give it to NASCAR. They're trying something new. And I understand I've made the point, you know, hey, there's dirt tracks out there, just like road courses. Why are we doing Daytona road course when there's real road courses out there? Why are we doing this at Bristol when there are dirt tracks out there? Well, there's a lot of factors into that. And, again, if you're one that's involved, you're not going to give up that date to let another track have it. So what do you do? You put the dirt on your own track. I got, I got to applaud NASCAR for trying it. If it happens one time one year, guess what? You got to see history because it was the one time it happened. <laughs> yeah, Jay, I'm curious to know what the reaction is after the race. Uh, because uh, the fans that are going to tune in and watch it uh, are going to have a lot to say about uh, their impressions after watching the dirt at Bristol. Now, have they done dirt at Bristol before? 
Not with NASCAR, but uh, just with other series? Yes, they have. The World Outlaw Sprint Cars have run there as well as, again, I think they had a couple other uh, late model series, you know, uh, it's a huge investment, so get what you can while you got the dirt on there. So I believe they did have some other series, but it was highlighted by the World Outlaw Sprint Cars. Okay. Okay. So uh, this is not a first time for Bristol Motor Speedway, but like you say, they're making the most they have with that. Um, but, uh, yeah, that is kind of surprising that uh, a, a fan of NASCAR would uh, refuse to watch uh, that they're putting the dirt on the track. Uh, I do think uh, that, uh, again, it's going to just provide uh, a really different uh, aspect to the competition. Uh, and uh, a lot of these drivers, just like a lot of people were really concerned about having the Roval, uh, you know, at Charlotte Motor Speedway, and how is that going to play out? Everybody loves to watch racing on the Roval. Uh, so much so that now we've got a road course on the track at Daytona and at Indianapolis, and, and all of those races have been good races. Uh, fans have loved those races. So I wouldn't be so hasty to judge it just yet. Uh, I would actually give yourself a chance to really take it in uh, before you make a judgment on whether or not it's going to be good or bad. I've got a feeling it's going to be really good. Uh, I think some of the drivers, uh, are going to be, it's going to be interesting to hear what their comments are after racing on the dirt at uh, Bristol. But I'll tell you what, I'm with uh, Tommy. In addition to the dirt at Bristol, I'm looking forward to the road course race at Coda as well. They announced some new sponsors uh, uh, today for that race and our partners for that race, title sponsors. And, uh, I just applaud NASCAR all the way around for really trying uh, some different things this year. And uh, those are two of the things that I think fans are really looking forward to. But uh, this race on dirt at Bristol uh, is going to shake things up, I think. Tommy, what are your final thoughts? I just wanted to go back and comment on, since uh, uh, Jay brought this up, I didn't hadn't really thought of this yet. I was so excited for the, the extra racing to see for these heat races that um, I didn't realize that they would uh, be probably wrecking all the cars and all these 15 laps or however long these short little races are. So their cars will be banged up, and I didn't even consider that. But um, that'll just make it more interesting because I'm sure then they'll just have to start from the back. So maybe somebody that's really good on dirt like Christopher Bell will have to start way back and work his way through the field. So another element of uh, making it uh, interesting. Yes, indeed. Okay, I guess I'll bring up the next hot topic. Uh, I'm going to ask you guys what you think about uh, the two new teams, 2311 Racing and Live Fast Motorsports, have confirmed that they've joined uh, the Race Team Alliance, but Trackhouse Racing has not yet joined the RTA uh, this year yet, as reported by Bob Pockris earlier this week. Uh, what are your thoughts about the Race Team Alliance this year and uh, the fact that we've got the two new teams in there, but uh, not a third new team? So, uh, Tommy, we'll start with you. Uh, well, I'm kind of surprised that Trackhouse hasn't uh, 
joined in on that yet. But uh, as for 23XI Racing, um, I'm looking forward. I'm pretty sure I heard where Denny Hamlin said that he's looking at expanding that place. And uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing who they get in their second car for next year and what, what the number will be, what will be the sponsor, who's going to be driving it. Um, another, they'll add another Toyota driver, so there will be uh, – how many Toyotas would I make? Six, six Toyotas in the field. Seven, I guess, if you count Ty Dillon. Um, I kind of, uh, for as for live fast motorsports with BJ McLeod, um, I really felt that they would be a little bit more competitive with Stuart Haas equipment. And, uh, um, but next year maybe they'll be better when they get to that uh, that next gen car, which I think is everybody's goal. So. But I'm, I'm really surprised Trackhouse hasn't joined the Race Team Alliance yet. Okay, Jay, your thoughts? Well, you, you almost had to figure that that 2311 racing would. Uh, Denny Hamlin has been been a part of the RTA, and being that they are going to be, become, if not already, one of the top teams, especially if they're looking towards uh, the expansion, which we can talk about in another a hot topic here. But I'll read what, what came with uh, Pockers' uh, report here. According to the Race Team Alliance, the RTA was formed in the summer of 2014 to preserve, promote, and grow the sport of stock car racing and to advance the long-term interests of the racing teams. The RTA is a forum of open dialogue among the members about issues of common interest, provides a point of contact for those who wish to engage with the teams collectively, and a vehicle through which teams can speak with a single common voice. The RTA works collaboratively for the betterment of the sport to create value for its members and their partners. So with that in mind, I don't understand why a team wouldn't be, especially a new team, when we're talking about some of the issues that we're having with qualifying and not being able to get into races. So I would think a couple of those teams, especially if they're a non-charter member, uh, because, again, the charter system kind of came as, as a result of the RTA. They're the ones that brought it forward. And I don't, I'm don't. i trying not to tie that in because i got some other concerns with that, as, as you all know if you've listened to the show. Um, but <laughs> I would think that would be their forum to address that situation if that's their concern as it is mine or any other. So I don't understand, especially a team like uh, Trackhouse, that we expect to be long-term and possibly building a bigger team down the road in the future. Uh, you know, I hate to say it, uh, some of the teams that maybe aren't, if they're a single-car team, and I don't want to use the word start and park, but not a front runner, maybe feel like their voice isn't as important. You know, they're just there for that reason. They know where they're at, and they're barely getting by. But there is, that's where you take that concern because that is the RTA is trying to help all the teams to be competitive so it is not such a big separation. And you're always going to have a separation, but how to minimize it and help the lower-tier teams so it's maybe more of a mid-pack and then your top few. So I, I think they're missing the boat on not being a part of it because uh, if they're at a disadvantage, that's a place to bring it up and, and fight for your right. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, and you think that Trackhouse uh, Racing Team is Justin Marks and um, uh, Pitbull. And I don't know, 
if there is a cost associated with being a part of the RTA forum. Uh, it made me wonder because they are uh, a brand new team, and I just wondered if maybe cost might be one of the reasons why they're not involved yet. But, uh, you know, Justin Marks, I know, would understand the value of the RTA, and and we get, their feedback is so important uh, as part of that open dialogue around some of the common issues, uh, and especially for a startup team. Uh, that feedback and that common dialogue has to take place in order to make it uh, better for new teams that are coming into the sport. So if, um, if it's not money and they can just join, I would really encourage Trackhouse Racing uh, to get on board. But I've got a feeling there's something else. It doesn't really tell us why they haven't joined the RTA. So it just makes me wonder if there's a something thing else that's kind of keeping them from being a part of that. But uh, I can only see good things coming out of their involvement with it. Uh, I hope it's not a personality clash or anything like that um, that's kind of prohibiting that from happening because their feedback uh, I think is really instrumental as a part of that RTA. And we are at that point of the show where I, I have to make an announcement, uh, especially if we have new listeners that are tuning in tonight. Uh, we are going to go off the air right at 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time. But that doesn't mean that we're going to stop talking. <laughs> we are going to keep talking and recording the rest of the conversation, and that will be available on our podcast. I will go out on Twitter to let everybody know that the podcast is available. And all you have to do if you've listened up to this point is fast forward to that two-hour mark, and you can hear the rest of our conversation on that podcast. Podcast listeners will be able to listen straight through, but uh, we just want to alert anybody who's tuning in as a new listener. We're thankful that you're here and hope you'll return uh, to listen again uh, to our upcoming show on Monday and next Thursday and so on and so on. So with that, uh, I think, uh, Tommy, you're up next with the follow-up. Uh, I was just looking at it online here, and uh, I'm just surprised that, like uh, like Jay said, that some of these non-charter teams, he, it's kind of a surprise that they're not part of this yet. But um, I'm just – I didn't know that – or like you were saying too, Sharon, something about track house, hoping there's not like a personality conflict from preventing them or anything like that of getting involved. But uh, I'm pretty sure, I mean, Daniel Suarez, he wants to be around for a while. So I'm, I'm pretty sure he's probably trying to talk track house and then getting, becoming a charter member for sure. Okay. Follow up. No, I'm I'm with you you that I think I think it is a huge benefit thing. That some of the things they've come up with and the direction they've gone, I don't necessarily agree with, but I think that it's important. You look back, we didn't have that back prior to 2014. I think that the idea of it is a really good idea. I know there's been some. Uh, I think it was Junior that stepped down as like the president or lead spokesman in the garage area, however you want to put it. Um, that he stepped away from it, and I never heard why, and that's where I said Denny Hamlin had stepped in, so it's no surprise to see the, the Jordan team uh, with him involved be a part of it. Uh, I think the program itself is a very good program. 
just as it is with anything else, even at the NASCAR top level, open communication, doing what's best for all partners involved. Uh, and that's what you got to look at. Like I said, I may not as a fan agree with it uh, or understand it, but I still like the program. Yeah, I've got to agree. Having the conversation is the most important part, and you can't expect uh, them to be supportive in making changes that could help benefit your team if you don't want to be part of that conversation. So uh, sometimes you got to set things aside. And I don't know that it's a personality thing. I hope it's not. But uh, whatever it is, uh, it's worth the investment. It's worth setting something aside uh, to be a part of this organization and, and to put your concerns out there on the table for conversation uh, and uh, hopefully uh, to help make this sport better uh, for everybody all the way around. So that's what the RTA was designed for, and uh, you got to use it uh, to your benefit. Uh, so just some strong encouragement there. Uh, to really, really be a part of that. Okay, so with that, I guess we're back to you, Jay. Did you have another topic to bring up here tonight? Well, as Tommy's going to learn here, I always got something else to bring up. <laughs> uh, and actually, it's in part with him there. He kind of mentioned it. Uh, we talked about it early in the season when Owen did his uh, predictions for the year. One of the ones that I thought was maybe a little premature was the expansion of the 23-11 team. Um, but I know, and I was just trying to pull that up, of Denny Hamlin mentioning it, as well as being a team. I'm going to ask Sharon to fill in the name here, president of Toyota Racing Development, uh, speaking on it as well, of Toyota expanding, which obviously would make you think it's with that, that team. Uh, whether or not David they're ready Wilson. already... Thank you. Uh, I knew you would cover me there. Um, <laughs> to go to that second team when we, we've got three races now or four races uh, under our belts uh, with the clash and the duels and everything, uh, whether or not they're ready to take that t step to a second team already or even be thinking about it. Boy, I'll tell you what, if any team was ever uh, a new team, let me put it that way, if any new team had the potential to make that happen, I would think it would be 23-11 racing with the caliber of owners that they have there with uh, Michael Jordan and Denny Hamlin. Uh, we've mentioned it, how, how uh, active he is with the Race Team Alliance and doing everything they can uh, to make this sport better. Uh, and knowing Michael Jordan uh, living in Chicago during the years that uh, – the Bulls were kind of on a high, and we saw his competitive nature uh, and what it meant to that Bulls team. Uh, I just think that uh, they could probably make that happen. Is it going to be easy? Probably not. Uh, but I think that you've got the right ingredients in place, if you will, uh, to make that happen if they want to expand that team. So we'll have to wait and see what happens. It seems it seems not likely because they are so new. But uh, as I think more about it, Jay, I, I just think that they, they do have the right people in place that if they wanted to make that happen, uh, they, they might be the ones that could make that happen and do it well. So, Tommy, I'm curious to know your thoughts. 
Uh, they're definitely probably going to be a two-team car next year for sure. I definitely think that that's going to happen, and uh, I already want to speculate who's going to be in the car too. Um, I know it's probably way too early, but in the last uh, podcast, uh, either Jay or Andy said that you know Brad Keselowski is going; he's on a one-year contract. Uh, Matt DiBenedetto is going to have; he's going to have to go somewhere since Austin Cindric's going to be in his car. Um, and then now with Ty Gibbs winning, and you know Harrison Burton look Harrison Burton looks good. So Joe Gibbs might have to move somebody over to Denny's team to pull up some of his young talent. Uh, but um, uh, another team I'm interested in too, besides Denny Hamlin expanding, Floyd Mayweather and the Money Team. I'm looking forward to whoever they can or however they're going to set that up. Uh, but as for Denny and uh, uh, Bubba Wallace, and, yeah, Bubba Wallace is going to get a teammate. That's going to be awesome. I can't, I can't wait. I, I really hope that they do uh, expand, and I definitely think it will happen. Okay, Jay. All right, Todd, Tommy, you're fitting right in here because at first I was like, oh, I'm going to hammer him, and then I was like, well, he's got a point, and then I was like, yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> so I went through about five emotions there. First, I thought you were saying I said that Brad Keselowski was going to be the driver over there, and I'm like, I promise you I did not say that. Um, mm-hmm. It is a possibility. He is on a one-year contract. Uh, I think Matt Benedetto, based on Denny Hamlin's praise of him when he beat him at Bristol, uh, would be a pick there. The Brad Keselowski deal, I think back to him and Hamlin had a, a battle for, I think, two years, and it went across two or three different series uh, <laughs> that they had their on-track issues. So that one I'm a little unsure about. But going back to when, when Owen had this posted prior to the start of the season, I said I think it's a little early to be talking about that. And I still think it's a little early, but I will say this. From what I've seen from the team so far, again, it's only been a couple of races, uh, definitely got the speed and the cars are there. So my question would be, again, of going too far too fast is still a little bit of a concern. If they have the backing of Toyota, they have the backing of Joe Gibbs Racing. I, and this is where I switched to, from wanting to attack Tommy and, and come at him. To, he's got something solid there. If Joe Gibbs Racing has all these guys in development that they've actually had to lost some and let, you know kind of shifted away, that's a way to give them more spots at the cup level as a second Joe Gibbs Racing team. And I don't, I don't want to call it a second Joe Gibbs Racing team, but a partner to work with when it comes to that. You mentioned Ty Gibbs coming up, which Ty Gibbs would go into the Xfinity Series full-time. Harrison Burton would be the one to come up. Riley Herbst is the one that I said kind of maybe got away because he's with Stuart Haas Racing Ford now. You also got Brandon Jones, who has showed in the last two years in the Xfinity Series that he's capable of winning and contending for championships. Uh, You know, we had the situation with Christopher Bell and Eric Jones, Matt Kenseth being pushed out. So if, if, like Sharon said, the right partners are there and then sponsorship – and that's where, like I said, that concern comes in of you're, you aren't even halfway into the first season, not sure how it's all going to settle out. If you feel you got it lined up, definitely the right spot to do it with Joe Gibbs Racing, Toyota, and that team. I, I would never doubt that. I just don't want to see them do it too early if they're not fully prepared uh, when it comes down to that. 
Yeah, that that is a great point that, uh, you know, a few years ago we were concerned because some of the drivers, and, and you mentioned Riley Earps, uh, Haley Deegan uh, jumped off the Toyota uh, bandwagon and went over to Ford with uh, DGR Crossley. Uh, Riley Earps did it last year from Xfinity, um, uh, went from uh, Toyota over to Ford with Stuart Haas Racing. Uh, Toyota doesn't want to see that continue to happen either. So they're going to do everything they possibly can to keep people in that Toyota camp. And this certainly is an opportunity to do that. I think that's an excellent point uh, because part of our conversation was uh, they're running out of room at the end at Joe Gibbs Racing uh, with uh, a, a solid set of drivers already in those cars. Uh, at that organization. So they need to have that room for expansion. And I think 2311 Racing is is just the place to make that happen. And like I say, they've got all the right ingredients. So I'm not going to be surprised uh, after putting some extra thought into that topic. As you mentioned, Jay, we've talked about this one before. So, Tommy, anything else you want to add there? They also have John Hunter Nemechek uh, down in the trucks, so they could either pull him back up to the Xfinity Series or to the Cup because yep. he'll need a ride, and he's he's pretty good. Um, a lot of lots of possibilities and options for sure, and uh, I definitely think it'll happen. I know it's it's still really early, and there's there's a ways to go, but two or three recent two or three races in, and I mean. Clint and Jeff are always talking about how, you know, that Toyota really needs another car out there and that Toyota, or maybe I saw that online somewhere where people were saying that Toyota really wants to get another car out there. So I really wouldn't be surprised if 2311 has another car out there next year. Maybe it'll be number 45. Okay, Jay, you get the final word on that one. All right, Tommy, I'm behind you 100% now. Uh, we're going to start a campaign here. <laughs> Let's get John Hunter Nemechek back in the Cup Series. Uh, I hated to see him leave the Cup. I understand he'd go into Kyle Busch Motorsports there with Toyota in the Truck Series. I feel he's going to ch- contend for that championship. But to see him come back into the Cup Series in a second team like that, if that's where he, we could get him in, I think would be awesome. Okay. Okay, uh, let's go ahead and move on now to the next topic, uh, Tommy, and we'll let you bring that one up. Um, well, okay, uh, I saw one today online. I'm not sure if y'all did, but uh, the Circuit of Americas is going to allow Chase Elliott and a few other drivers. I, I can't remember who the other two were right now off the top of my head, but there'll be a, it's Martin Truex, Chase Elliott, and um, I think it was Kurt Busch maybe. But they're allowed to yeah, test there in March. And I just think that's going to be a little bit of an unfair advantage because Chase Elliott and Martin Truex are really good at road courses, and Kurt Busch was really doing good at Daytona and – uh, on the road course, and they're going to get the test of the whole two months in advance. Those three might have a little bit of a, a little bit of an edge. Okay, yeah, it was Chase Elliott, Martin Truex, and Brad Keselowski. 
So, Jay, what are your thoughts about that? Well, and I saw a little bit about this um, as far as why Almendinger was, was left off. The one thing, uh, anytime you do any kind of test, th- there's always that uh, fan outcry of, of, you know, the advantage, and that's just the way fans are, unfortunately. I don't know how you would do it any more fairly. They got one from each manufacturer, and I don't know how they determine it, but if you're looking at how a car is going to handle, and I know Goodyear is involved with it as far as the tire, and then as just as far as the, the car itself, why would you not get the best to be the ones to go test it and be able to tell you what is or isn't going to work the direction they need to go? And right now, Chase Elliott has proved that, you know, he didn't get the win this past weekend, but was going for four in a row. Truex obviously is probably the, the top Toyota uh, road course racer. And then Brad Keselowski, another very solid one. Again, they do it fairly. They got one from each manufacturer, and I'm sure the the notes from each team will go spread in the case of Chase Elliott through the Chevy camps, uh, you know, certainly within Hendrick Motorsports. But I believe that is one where they, it would have to be open to all Chevy drivers, uh, Chevy drivers and teams, same with Ford and Toyota. So, again, NASCAR is doing what, what they what they think is best for the sport as a whole. I understand you're right. There probably is a little bit of an advantage, but somebody's going to get it. And like I said, if we want the best on-track uh, race and, and performance when we go there, get the best that is out there now to test it. Yeah, yeah, you bring up a good point. Uh, uh, I do wonder how they select the drivers. Chase Elliott seems uh, pretty apparent. Uh, and maybe it's the drivers that uh, are very good at giving feedback at some of these kind of tracks. Uh, I do applaud NASCAR for taking the time to test that tire. Uh, I was at Indianapolis Motor Speedway when they had the Goodyear debacle, if you will, and uh, we certainly don't want that to happen at Circuit of the Americas because I want to see that track stay on the schedule for a while. So if they can get out there and test it now, and make sure that they have a good tire when they get there for the race in May, I'm all for it. Uh, and I hear your point, Tommy, uh, but I have to agree with Jay on this one. I, I do think that uh, they've got to have some drivers that are going to give them good feedback and uh, make the right decisions uh, when it comes to that tire for this track. And uh, uh uh, I think that these are three really good drivers for them to get that feedback uh, for exactly that reason. Uh, are they going to have an advantage? Yeah, probably so. Uh, but um, they're also going to provide some feedback that's going to help every single one of those drivers when it comes to the tire that they're going to use at that track uh, in May. So what are your thoughts on that, Tommy? I agree with you guys, but uh, they definitely will still have a bit of an advantage. Definitely Chase and Martin Truex, just because I think they're definitely in the top five right now for best road course aces or or whatever you want to call them. So they're they're definitely still going to get a little bit of an advantage. But uh, I'm glad that NASCAR did pick them for the uh, this test because, as y'all said, Chase and Martin are the best. Or, definitely some of the best, so they're definitely going to give the best feedback, and that's what I want, uh, competitive racing. Okay, Jay, your follow-up? 
again, I think it goes to the fans that, that, you know, the conspiracy theorists, black helicopters, there's always going to be somebody that wants to point something out of, you know, this isn't fair. Again, my my answer to them would be, okay, you provide a better solution, you know, and if it's, oh, let everybody go and test, okay, you know, that's just NASCAR's going to laugh. I mean, they're trying to cut back on money and whatever, so you got to do it some way, and I'm with you, Sharon. I don't know exactly how they pick these drivers, uh, whether it's based on feedback, whether it's the ones, as we've seen, the the history of uh, drivers of the best drivers on road courses over the past several years, that that, that's what they're looking for, or maybe it was a random thing out of the hat. Uh, One of them, I remember uh, back when Ryan Blaney did a test, I think at the the roller, whatever, some of it is they say, hey, we need somebody, and somebody volunteers, you know. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. nobody else volunteered to do it, so there you go. Uh, you never know. And, and you look at that of, of, if that's the case, Elliot, Truex, and Keselowski are ones that, you know, want to be involved in the direction of the sport. So, yeah, if that were the case, they would be ones to volunteer. Absolutely. And, um, uh, you know, you're right, Jay. No matter what NASCAR does or doesn't do, um, and, and you know, we all have our little things here and there that we wish NASCAR would do a little bit differently. But NASCAR, I think, overall does a pretty good job. And um, uh, I just think the alternative, if they don't do a good year tire test, uh, I hate to think what the alternative would be if that didn't happen. And I just think the alternative would be a disaster, and then fans would complain about that. Um, and that's not directed at you, Tommy. It's just all of us do that at one time or another. Uh, we have a complaint about what NASCAR does or doesn't do. Um, but, uh, again, they, they look at the bigger picture, and, and they have their reasons for what they do. So if we can just kind of relax and, and trust that NASCAR is doing what's best for the sport overall, um, I, I think uh, we can come to appreciate it a little bit more too. So, and I know you agree with us. So, um, uh, but I, and I do understand your point because it's true. Those guys are going to have an advantage when it comes to the race in May. So, um, but I don't think there's any other way to get around that. I think they have to do that Goodyear tire test. So, Tommy, you get the final word on this one. I agree with you guys. Um, I'm I'm glad NASCAR picked them, but uh, it's just just a little bit of an upper hand for those guys. Yeah, it is. It is for sure. Okay. Um, I don't have another topic, but when I don't have another topic, I can always go to Jay. Did you have something else, Jay? Well, let me see. Yeah, I do. Um, <laughs> this this one I kind of caught bits and pieces of, of watching Race Hub throughout the week. Uh, I don't know if you know it. I'm a fan. I listen to the radio. I watch TV. So um, they're kind of talking about, and I think Steve Letart mentioned it a little bit in his interview, with the addition of the road course at Daytona, in years past, we've seen it. Daytona's Daytona, start the regular season, go from there. Yeah, you may tear up some cars. You add in that road course. We tore up some cars, and now it's two weeks. Maybe not as much of an impact on the bigger teams, but is that going to possibly set some other teams behind as they get ready to finish up at Homestead, Miami, and then do the West Coast swing of being behind maybe on working on cars because they got some to repair or work on? Okay, Tommy. 
Uh, uh, for sure, but um, I, I think what I like is the fact that they're doing three races in a row in Daytona, or not in Daytona, but in Florida. But um, I haven't I haven't really thought much about that yet. How since they're keeping it close like that, if all these damaged cars. Well, for the cup level, though, I feel like most of those guys, I've, what I've seen is, is they've raced, then gone home, back to Charlotte, and the cars have just been going back and forth after each race. But I haven't really considered the small teams like Rick Ware and them, who have to, and Timmy Hill, who have to fix up the cars like that. So, yeah, that's definitely setting them back for sure. But, um, yeah, that's all I've got for this. Okay. I I really think that, unfortunately, Daytona is one of those tracks that you can take care of your car all day long, and then something that's completely out of your control takes you completely out of the race, wrecks your car, and adds to your budget. So I, I, I hear what you're saying. Uh, I know a lot of those lower-funded teams try to really, they go the extra mile when it comes to taking care of their car. Uh, because they can't afford uh, to to do all of those repairs, um, but unfortunately, Daytona is one of those tracks. It's it's just going to happen. Um, and I keep bringing this up because I think it's true across all three series. Christian Eckes brought up that he he knows that the truck series is is some intense racing, but he feels like the intensity has ratcheted up this year. And I think that is true. I think it has ratcheted up, but not just in the truck series. I think it's ratcheted up uh, across all three series. Um, And I don't know if it's just because it's Daytona or just because they've been off the track and everybody's anxious and ready to get out there and mix it up a little bit on the track. Uh, I'm not sure, but um, as much as I like the idea of those two races being together and them racing in 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 Florida for those three races in a row, um, uh, it, we'll have to see how it plays out if, if it happens again next season. Uh, but I think it is something that maybe this is one of those things that they need to sit at the table and have a discussion uh, with the team owners and the drivers and and uh, the tracks and everybody involved uh, to see how it impacted them this year to make a determination on whether or not they want to go forward with it again. So I think you bring up a good point, Jay. What are your thoughts? Yeah, this this is one of those, it's twofold. Uh, First off, as with anything that happens, the impact of something is going to be harder on your mid to, to lower tier team yeah. than it is on the, the super organizations uh, just because of resources. Uh, you know, and I know NASCAR does keep an eye on that. The, the second thing would be where I say it's a, a twofold, the saving cost and money again, doing the back-to-back weeks at Daytona and then the third week there in Homestead. And that was a late decision. I believe it was December when they, they had to make that change and change up from originally Homestead was supposed to be the second race and then the start the West Coast swing uh, with Auto Club uh, half an Jay? They're relative. Oh, yeah. I thought we lost you for a second, but I hear you now. 
Okay. Um, they are relatively close to Charlotte. So, again, the, the transport, it would be a lot worse if a situation like this were to develop out on the West Coast. I know that we've had issues with that between Phoenix and uh, Phoenix, Las Vegas, and uh, Auto Club if, if haulers had to go back and forth with, with cars. So that aspect of it is good. Like I said, it's saving money. They're three weeks. They're relatively close to their home base of Charlotte for most teams. So, like I said, and I think you're right, Sharon, I thought you were going to tie it right back into the RTA. If the teams have an issue with it, they bring it through the <laughs> RTA. But, um, yep. you know, that is one of those things that that's where that RTA would come into play. Be like, hey, NASCAR, I know you had to do this on the fly this time. Here's what we think or, you know, how it impacted these teams. So that would be a benefit of the RTA um, that they could try and work through that if it is an issue. Uh, and like I said, some of your lower tier, lower budget teams, it's going to be a bigger issue than it is for your top teams. But like I said, Steve Letard even mentioned it having come from Hendrick, that it still has an impact on them. It's just maybe not as severe. Okay. Tommy, your follow-up. Uh, I kind of like what you said about Christian Eck is saying that uh, the – uh, racing this year is more intense. I definitely agree with it. it, it's, it, it I know it's really early. It's only two races in, but I've already watched I watched pretty much all of Speed Weeks. I think I watched all of it, and uh, I missed. I did miss the Xfinity race last week, but other than that, I don't think I've missed a race this year, and it does seem more intense all the way throughout everything, which is awesome. So uh, that's what I want to see, intense competitive racing, and um as for these underfunded teams or, or lesser funded teams, it, this does hurt them, but um, I, I think they could all manage that and get by because, like she said, Charlotte's not that far from Daytona and Miami, so they can manage, I think. Okay, so maybe what they're saving on travel expense uh, can be used for repairing those wrecked cars. Um but, yeah, I, I don't really have to, a whole lot to add there, Jay. Uh, what are your thoughts? Final word. Well, I w- we'll say this. Uh, again, we'll have to see how how it plays out and we'll, what feedback they get as far as how that impacted the teams. Keep talking about the intensity. And it, Brad Keselowski was on a race hub, I believe, yesterday, talking about at the Cup Series level especially, the, and we may, we talked about this a little bit on Monday night, with two new winners – uh, maybe one at least uh, not necessarily expected into the playoffs, the other one questionable whether or not he would make it in, that, you know, for all the teams, that intensity is going to ramp up already now because spots you wouldn't expect necessarily to be filled other than by some of the top few annual c- contenders uh, filling up early, that's going to ratchet up even more. So uh, I think you're mm-hmm. right. It's going to be at the Cup Series as well. Exactly right. Uh, you've got two of those spots already filled up. That means there's only 14 spots left. So, yeah, it's in, in the other series, it's even fewer. So, yeah, I agree all the way around. Okay, we're at our roundtable part of the show to here tonight. So, uh, Tommy, let's go ahead and start with you. Any articles you're thinking about writing this week? Oh, uh, you offered about Christopher Bell, but um, if, if you have anything else there, uh, like some other options or something, I'd like to take a look. But I could definitely write the one on Christopher Bell if you wanted me to. It'll it'll just have to be after 
five of tomorrow's uh, calls. It's already getting past eleven here, and uh, I, I got to go work in the morning at eight. So I'll, I'll oh, be okay. busy until five, but I'll, I'll get you that article. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you, Tommy. Um, and then Jake. Uh, yeah, well, first off, I'll start with the apology. I know, I met Sharon, you messaged me earlier, uh, one on Chase Elliott that I should have already had done, and I let slip through the cracks, if you will. Uh, that'll come out uh, by by next week, um, looking back at his championship uh, for that, uh, especially here before my plate gets uh, extremely full as I'm getting ready to start uh, dirt track racing here in the Mississippi area. So uh, you can follow me on Facebook, Michael Hoosman, Mopar MJ8 on Twitter and Instagram. Okay. And uh, of course, I'm Fan for Racing Psyched on Twitter, Fan for Racing Blog and Radio, elsewhere on social media, and of course, our website, fanforacing.com. Uh, I know uh, Owen has his power ranking up this week. Uh, Sam has his recap up of, of the road course races, rates, and then also um, Owen, I think, still has a winner and losers article that's going to be coming out here, too. And Mike sent me an article on Brad Kay as his next uh, installment of his hot seat drivers. So uh, I haven't looked at it yet, but I'm sure that's going to be an interesting read. So you can look for that to be coming out soon. And then uh, I've got the Christopher Bell article, and and I can uh, throw some other ideas your way, uh, Tommy, if if you'd like to uh, look at some alternative uh, drivers there. uh, That would be great. Uh, And um, uh, definitely looking forward to the weekend of racing. A big shout-out to our listeners. We appreciate everybody for taking the time to tune in to hear what we have to say. We have a lot of fun doing this. And uh, we hope that comes across on the show uh, and you guys uh, also enjoy listening. So uh, keep coming back next week. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, we've got uh, Greg Van Alst on Thursday. Uh, on the Monday night show, we've got Dean Thompson uh, already confirmed, and we're working on a couple of others. So stay tuned there. Uh, to see who we've got coming on the show. Dean Thompson is from the West Coast. He'll be on at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And uh, definitely looking forward to the review of his show on Monday night and uh, the preview of the following week uh, on Thursday night. So, again, thanks, everybody. Thanks to our fan racing crew. Uh, We hope you're having fun, Tommy, and uh, we'll look forward to the next show. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. I look forward to the next one. Okay, everybody. I think we're ready to say goodnight. Goodnight, everybody. (laughs) I'm in a loop again here. (laughs) I'm just going to have to end the show. Sorry, guys.
Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.